Tonight, on the Midnight Train podcast, Evan has apparently been kidnapped and we discuss all things Guillermo del Toro. No, Jeff. Not Benicio del Toro. That's a different guy. You know, the epic director behind such great movies as Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy and so many more. So, grab a drink, take your seat and turn it up to 11. Warning, we say things like go browns. Fuck the haters. And all I want for Christmas is a fucking vaccine. All aboard. Hello, passengers, and welcome to episode 79 of the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, we make fun of a joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me, as always, is my co-host, the one and only, he's back, Jeff Pitchko. Hi. How are you, buddy? Terrible. As usual. Why are you so terrible? I haven't passed my kidney stone yet. It's hanging on for dear life. Yeah, that yeah. stone just does not want to go away. I huh? think it's made out of flex seal. <laughs> it just it's like on the inner wall of my bladder and just like just hanging, just, you know, hanging out, seeing what goes through. For dear life. I'm tired of it, man. I'm so it's been like three weeks now. Is this the longest one that you've yes. had to deal with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I have to pee like every second, but I don't pee. It's like the sensation of having the pee every second. It's well, terrible. That's 40 for you, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. What's uh his uh Justin? He had one. He he was mentioning on the Facebook. Oh yeah, page, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven millimeter, dude. That's insane. So like the biggest one I've ever had was like the first one. It was like three millimeters. Seven is just. I, I think I'd rather just eat a bullet to be honest with you. Sorry, Justin, but I would not. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. Seven millimeters. Seven think about millimeters, that. That's, that's, that's like a huge. peanut M M&M. and M. And that's got to travel through your body and out the wazoo, you know? And of course, guess who else is with us today? It's the one and only Mr. Moody. Not on the run. He's not on the run. He's not on the run anymore. No, we've, uh, so we've come to an agreement. Oh. Where I'm good for now. Did it cost money? Not, not. (laughs) It costed souls. (laughs) Not, not cash money, but you know, different forms of payment. Wait, wait, please go on. Nope, not going on. <laughs> That's it. Did, did it, was it an the alley in the back of is, a car? The important thing is the band is back together. That's right. Oh, yeah. Bring the band back. That's right. They That's can't awesome. hold us down. That's right. Well, they kidney stones, they COVID, try. You, you name it. Bring it on. CIA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you beautiful bunch of amazing dark passengers out there know that we are just three musicians and assholes that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious We want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening right now. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And in saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It helps for some reason. I'm not really sure, but, you know, just just go in there and do that. It's awesome. You can leave any review you'd like. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And... Patreon subscribers will be getting a bonus on who, Moody? Well, it started off as a, uh, a Paul Mueller bonus <clears throat> because we mentioned him in our last episode as being a prime suspect in the Hinterkaifeck murders. But upon 
Upon looking, there isn't really a whole lot about the man himself. So what I decided to do is we made it about, it is going to be about the Velisca Axe murders and Paul Mueller as well. So it's kind of a double, uh, it's a double whammy because basically the Velisca Axe murders were what brought Paul Mueller's name kind of into everything. So we're going to talk about the the Axe murders. Bigfoot with an axe? Like he put on a Bigfoot costume and that's where that came from? Well, they never figured out who did it. It could have been. That so they decide. So that's the uh, the research on that kind of led to this Paul Mueller guy becoming a suspect and a bunch of other stuff. So we're kind of talk about we're going to talk about the murders and uh, the uh, Ed Paul Mueller a little bit as far as how he kind of became a suspect. So, huh? Sounds pretty. Yeah, awesome it's just pretty good. Me. It's pretty interesting. It's I'm actually pretty excited about that to be honest. So make sure you uh, Patreon subscribers out there. Are cool as hell. So. It'll be, it's a fun little episode. Cool. So make sure you guys are signing up. Just do that over at patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. And, uh, you know, you guys can check it out or you can go to our website at the midnight train podcast.com and you can click on the little thing on the very top of the page and you'll be swooped away. Oh, yes. it's that easy. It is that easy. Guys, what are you waiting for? Like, what's your excuse? If you're listening whisked, and you're not Patreon. Whisked away, if you will. Yeah. With whisked, whisked. Whisked. You could probably do it on your phone, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> God, technology. So now listen. Normally, this is the part where we, you know, have a drink pop for everybody. <laughs> but first and foremost, Jeff, who has uh, <laughs> been having a hell of a time, he, uh, he uh, doesn't have a computer at the moment. No, <laughs> yeah, That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His computer so we crashed. Know sound effects. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Some. Yeah. My, uh, my computer died just randomly. Just, to, you know, it is 2020. So. Yeah. And not only that, but since we are doing this little video up here, <gasps> and since we did get... <laughs> Ah. banned in new zealand i figured maybe we stay away from the copyright stuff for right now just we'll in just case to, you need to get we just need to get beer that is in a gray can that just says beer around it beer how did we yeah. do we figure out how we got banned in new zealand by the because way because the song i'm pretty what sure song it was, was the it? song uh land out under land out under copy it was a, probably a copyright thing out of all the fucking songs 79 episodes yeah yeah 79 first, songs yeah. that's the one song that and only in new zealand i'll get a hold of Mushmouth. we need a, a new version <laughs> so apparently they just don't like <laughs> maybe one of the guys from uh men at work listened and was like yeah, wait a minute he just sits on the internet <laughs> what the fuck all day like looking up his song to see who's using it that's not right yeah. Lost five cents to me and my dang. The funny thing, dude. Actually, if uh, if anyone's interested, speaking of since we brought that song up, if you can you can find the original version of that song on uh, online, it is completely different. No way. Than the song that everybody knows. It's before it's, it hit a producer. It's like almost like reggae. It's fucking killer, dude. Really? It's really good. Killer. killer leave, leave it to producers to ruin everything. So killer. in the meantime, let's dim the lights. Let's adjust our seats. You know, grab a drink if you got one out there. In the let's you get hum something? Let's. What do you want to hum? I don't know. What's it, what would be fitting for this Wait, episode? What do we got for this? Um, I don't know. What's, what's a good the one? theme to Pan's Labyrinth? You want me to do it? I'll do it. I don't. Go ahead. What is okay, it? Okay, ready? Yeah. This is me fading it down right now. All right. <laughs> and that's the theme. I'm that's sorry, the did thing. I just kick you, John? Uh, I think so. You're it's playing fine. footsies? Yeah, I think so. So now we're talking about the one and only Guillermo del Toro. Excuse me? Um, Benicio del Toro. I'm oh. just kidding. It's Guiller- Guillermo del Toro. Bless, Bless you. you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I the wrong button. Oh. New button configuration. Oh, I got, no. it's, it's all right here. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe you should so look at it. Because <laughs> uh, oh, I, I got rid of that one. So it's more like this. 
There we <laughs> no, go. That, that, we needed an applause or a rim shot is what we need. Yeah, the, the rim shot got, yeah, whatever. Anyways. You know there's like six banks, dude. I know. That's why you're going to start doing this again. I know. I don't know why you took it away from me. Because you weren't here. You were running in the woods like Point. Harrison Ford. That's fine. That's All right. That's, that's fine. So, quotes, <laughs> I cannot Ford. pontificate about it. Ooh. But by the time I'm done, I will have done one movie, and it's all the movies I want. People say, you know, I like your Spanish movies more than I like your English language movies because they are not as personal. And I go, fuck, you're wrong. (laughs) Hellboy is as personal to me as Pan's Labyrinth. They're totally different, and yes, of course, you can like one more than the other. The other one may seem banal or whatever it is you don't like, but it's really part of the same movie. You make one movie. Hitchcock did one movie all his life, end quote. And that was Guillermo did del Toro. Did he really do one movie, The Birds? He's, no. He's, there's he a, means he's, that it's all basically one, it's all one, one movie oh, because okay. it's all from the same person. It's a concept. Dude, he's a quote fucking machine. Oh, yeah. He's got some good He's got some good stuff. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. awesome. And he doesn't like pull punches either. He's, yeah. he's not afraid. Is he like a druggie or an alcoholic or anything? Not at all. Not that I could find. Anyways. No, he's just a badass dude. So let's let's find out he a little more give about a him. Fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so Del Toro was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. That's Jal- yeah, or be, would it be Jalisco? I don't know, but Jalisco is. Uh, isn't that the drinks? Don't they make like the the like? No, I pretty sure they make like. Davey, I think it's Jalisco. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'll ask him. He's, well, probably, he was, he's probably listening to this like, you guys are fucking idiots right now. You guys five, are ruining my country. Five, he already knows that. Five, five minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. He already knows that. Yeah. So it's the son of Guadalupe Gomez and Federico del, Tor- del Toro Torres, an automotive Ooh. entrepreneur, both of whom are of Spanish descent. He was raised in a strict Catholic household. Del Toro studied at the Centro de Investigación y Estudios Cinematográficos. <laughs> It's like the channels when you channel surf at night and you hit the Spanish channel and they're like, I just like listening to you with your accents. Oh, I did stuff. it again. That's fucking Jesus, yeah, That's dude. me. I'm all, I, yeah, I listen to it for a while. Buttons so. and buttons and buttons. So, so this is the university at Guadalajara. Having a taste for the macabre at an early age. Of course he did. Del Toro decorated his family home with decidedly spooky <laughs> elements. Del Toro loves monsters. He claims that monsters used to crowd into his room at night and he made a pact with them. If they let him go to the washroom, he'd be their friend for life. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That's intense. That's how he got his love of monsters. Yeah, right there. like you're a little kid and you're just like, man, I really gotta pee. Yeah. Monster under my bed, please let me pee. Yeah, that's what happened. And it's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you actually Except want- Except the monster is inside of me. <laughs> yeah, you want to pee now. Yeah. Well, his little uh, pact, it actually worked. And Del Toro says, to this day, monsters are the thing I love most. Del Toro liked monsters so much as a child that his Catholic grandmother, fearing for his soul, performed a real-life exorcism on him. <laughs> and when that didn't work, she actually performed a second one. Can, yeah. you, can you do I a that was Spanish crazy. old lady? Can I do a Spanish I know we can old? do old ladies. Can you do a Spanish old lady? Oh, I could do a... Th- oh, no, no. No, not <laughs> from Venezuela. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. No, Miss Misa Simpson. No. <laughs> Simpson. I don't know where Simpson came from, but whatever. That's They're all the same. Completely different show. Yeah, whatever. So Del Toro considers himself a book person first and foremost, and there were two books that shaped his universe as a child. One was an encyclopedia of health, <laughs> which led to an obsession with anatomy, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. And the other, an encyclopedia <clears throat> shows, of art. That's pretty cool, though. Shows the anatomy thing. Shows the oh, way, yeah. like the, a lot of his characters, the way they're. So he just sat in his room as a kid reading the encyclopedia. Yeah. Of health. And, and look what he's doing now. He made two movies. <laughs> he made more than two movies. And we're going to talk about them okay. later. According to him, yeah. he only made one. He only made one. Oh, that's, that's right. right. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So when did Del Toro, when Del Toro was uh, about uh, eight years old, he began experimenting with his father's Super 8 camera, making short films uh, with Planet of the Apes toys and other objects, which I, I can just imagine like, raw, <laughs> raw, die. It's like stop, stop motion apes. shit. Yeah. <laughs> so my, uh, Danny, Danny got the kids into that on her phone. They made a little, with Rex's, oh, super, stop motion with Rex's superhero toys, they made a couple little. That's did, awesome. Did anybody else find, like when you were younger, that the Planet of the Apes was really freaky? Yeah. Just the way they like functioned and looked. Yeah, I love that they can make actual like vowel sounds and stuff like that, but their mouths look like <laughs> yeah. Muppets when they're, they talk. They look like the Canadians from fucking. Uh, <laughs> hey guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fucking flat. They come riding right. up on the horse yeah. on the beach, like as a heron. I don't know. Is it? Let's check it. I know that's what I'm saying. Like their mouths. Like, like, what is going on? Freaking crazy. So one short focused on a uh, a serial killer potato. <laughs> Oh, that's a yeah, dude. That's pretty a golden. Amazing. Why didn't he make that movie? I know, he should have. I guess uh, I don't know if it's in there. I, I don't know if I put it in there, but it was basically like he had it. Like it was his family was in the movie too. Like it killed his mom and dad. And his the potato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. So with ambitions of world domination. So that's an amazing potato. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It murdered Del Toro's oh, mother and brothers go. before stepping outside and being crushed by a car. <laughs> oh, what a that's sad awesome, end to dude. the potato. I want to see that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Del Toro made about 10 short films before his first feature, including one titled uh, Matilda, but only the last two, Dura Lope and Geometria, have been made available. Seen them both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's on, it's on I forgot Hulu. this Without, sub, without yeah. subtitles, yeah. too. It's this, on Hulu. <laughs> this fucking guy's back. I forgot all about that. So um, he wrote four op- uh, episodes and directed five episodes of the cult series La, uh, La Jora Macarda, along with other Mexican filmmakers such as Emmanuel Lubezki and Alfonso Cauran. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably fucking those names up, so That's I apologize. That's the Mexican Star Trek, by the way. <clears throat> what? The Mexican Star Trek. Is what? The first one you read. <laughs> That's the Mexican Star Trek. They had, like, their own Star Trek over there. I swear to God, ask Davey. La Jora Marcada? Yeah, that's Star that Trek it? in Mexico. That means, like, isn't, La Ho- isn't that something about ours? A horror? I don't know. I don't know. You're spending a lot of hours on the U.S. Actually, it's the M-E-X Enterprise. (laughs) 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 Ah, That's pretty funny. So... Um, Del Toro got his first big break when he made uh, Kronos in 1993, and uh, which I've never seen Kronos, by I have the way. Not, yeah, I, have I have not, not seen, seen that either. That's one of the, Heard so, of it. Yeah? But I've never seen it. No. Yeah. So the uh, movie about the effects of a device that confers immor- immortality won nine aerial awards from the Mexican Academy of Film, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Original Story. Well, how about yeah, that? That's yeah. basically like their version of the Academy Awards. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Good for him. And also received the International Critics Week Grand Prize at the Cannes Film Festival, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you win at the Cannes Film Festival is solid, dude. Because if you can, can, can. No, no one's seen that. I'll just see myself out. (laughs) We also got got that shit on video now, too. We're going to get banned for that. (laughs) (laughs) So Del Toro studied uh, special effects and makeup with uh, special effects artist Dick Smith. Dick Smith. You know Dick Smith. What a name. This is like, we we have a kid last name Smith. Let's make it as plain as possible. At that point, everyone knows what a dick is. Just go by Richard. At the BMV. Dick. Dick Smith. (laughs) Your license is ready. 
and he has to get up in front of everybody like, yeah, I'm Dick Smith. <laughs> Five different people raise their, raise their hand. I'm surprised yeah. people still name their kids Richard, I, knowing I mean, that it's just going to be dick jokes for their whole saying. life. I haven't heard it in a long time, though. Are people? I, I thought everybody went to like Liam and all these stupid names. <laughs> Sorry if your name's Liam, by the way. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like everything's like stupid names like Jeff and John. I mean, no, fuck. nothing's original anymore. All the names are like, oh, this is Noel. Like, <laughs> fuck, it's Noel. This is my son Richard and my daughter Labia. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Liam. <laughs> if your name is Liam, just don't follow us. Just unfollow like, us. Like I'll stop. There's a kid. There's a kid. Uh, there's a kid on my my daughter's hockey team that I coach named Liam. So of course there is. <laughs> All millennials name their kids after ridiculous things. Austin. Oh, little Austin and little Liam. They're just so precious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, and then the dad's send. in the stands like, he's like, go Austin, get that goal. And they're like, shut up. His name is Bill. Bill. What? Just name him Bill. You can send all hate mail too. Yeah, send it to me. Just turning into an old man grouch fest. <laughs> yeah, I telling you. Yeah. Well, Dick Smith had been a huge influence on Del Toro throughout Kids his life. Their names these days. <laughs> I apologize if your name is Austin, by the way. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Uh, yeah. So uh, he bought Smith's makeup kit when The Exorcist came out in 1973 and applied his uh, for his makeup course in New York in 1987. He spent 10 years as a special effects makeup designer and formed his own company, Necropia. He also co-founded the Guadalajara International Film Festival. Later in his directing career, he formed his own production company, The Tequila Gang. I like it already. Real quick. <laughs> some trivia, trivia question for you all. Trivia. Oh, who is the greatest special effects artist of all time? Ooh. Depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones, man. Yeah. I would say, what's the one that stands out the most? It's, that's done the most popular things. Uh, what's his name? Sam Sam Raimi? Is that, no, is he's that, the director. No, no. Um, Who am I it's thinking the guy of? fucking... Oh, God, I can't think of his fucking name now. He's in all the... He's in a shitload of movies, too. Yeah, he's in, like, uh, from, he was Dawn, from Dust Till Dawn. Sex Machine and Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, what the hell's his I name? I can't think of his name. No, I follow no, him on no, Instagram. No. And there's another guy with the last name of Nick Otero that does a fucking ton of good horror shit, too. Who's the guy that used to do all, like, the John Carpenter shit? So the best guy, I think, oh is Stan. Winston, he did. Is the, that that's who? Oh he yeah, is. yeah. Predator. He yeah. did Michael yeah. Jackson's Thriller. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like he good did too. All the amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure he's pretty. Man, what the fuck is that guy's name? I can't think. Of it. No, either. Oh, he sucks. Dick Smith. Dick Smith. <laughs> Apparently, Dick Smith was good too. Awesome. No, Liam Smith. Oh man, what the fuck is that dude? I'm. That's bothering me now. Yeah, definitely check that, that out. That guy's awesome too. So in 1997, at the age of 33, Guillermo was given a 30 million dollar budget from Miramax Films to shoot what? another film, Mimic. 30 Mimic. Mimic. Mimic no, was, that was all right. Was, dude, dude, if that was, was good, right. I'd spend eight grand on the movie and pocket the rest. It was it was a solid movie. Do I know it's Ooh. giving you money, Jeff? Okay, on a side a note, movie. don't just Google sex machine. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder why they follow you. <laughs> this not, that's not what you want. There. I'm yeah. just a love machine in the game. Oh, by the way, while you're looking that up, um, they uh, that sticker right there is for you. Oh, you get oh yeah, the, thank you, yeah. Maria. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, Maria, man. Maria, thank you so Woo, much for our stickers thank you. here. I'm going to zoom in on it so you can see it. That's, that's going on my fucking and car. Moody, you want to yeah. show that to the camera real quick? Yeah, there yeah. You go. Can you see it? Yeah. What's it say, Moody? It says, West Virginia Sasquatch hunting permit. Oh, boy. That's right. It's pretty badass. No so bag limit. I can catch as many motherfuckers as I want. <laughs> I can't wait until a cop pulls you over with that on your car. He just taps <laughs> on the window. He's like, hey, asshole, roll in the window. <laughs> 
Why is Thank it Tom? Tom Savini. <laughs> Tom Savini. There it is. Yeah. Thank you, Maria. We appreciate it. It was awesome. Yes, yeah, that's Thank awesome. You very much. What is your? That. What did you get? You got the shine. I got the shine. Oh. Uh, Jeff and I got get your shine on West Virginia. I nice. do love some moonshine. Nice. Nom, 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 nom. It's good very shit. Nice. Did we get any moonshine? And say what? No, she did not send any moonshine. I do yeah. have some, however, upstairs. Oh. Yeah. So maybe right. we'll confer during break. Uh-huh. Is so, it unlabeled? Uh, yes. So after turning in a draft of his screenplay for Mimic to Miramax, the studio was not happy with how little was explained about the creatures at the center of the story and decided to commission a number of rewrites. I didn't think it was a good movie, to be honest. I thought it was okay. It's all right. It's all right. One of these. He uh, went through hell. You'll hear. He went through hell to get this movie even fucking made, though. He went through hell, boy. This, this is not your thing today. I guess not. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just stop. I'm sorry. Anyway, so uh, one of these drafts was written by none other than Steven Soderbergh, but almost uh, none of his work ended up in the film. Del Toro is not a fan of second unit work, and for his director's cut of Mimic, he managed to excise the majority of the second unit footage. So he said, fuck that. I don't like it. Get it the fuck out of here. Right? Nope. Yep. So Robert Rodriguez uh-huh. was one of the second unit directors in the film, who Robert Rodriguez is fucking amazing. Yeah, he's good. Yep. Speaking Man. of Dust Till Dawn. Yep. Robert 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 had rabies. <laughs> Robert had rabies. Robert had babies. <laughs> he had babies. Oh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, you ever seen him. Desperado? Oh yeah, that was Desperado. one of his first ones. Dude, he's so awesome. What's in the guitar case? <laughs> a guitar. My, what was the guitar. second one? What was the one that was after that? The uh, one with Johnny Depp, where he's got the fake arms. Mexico, something. Two nights in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Mimic was right, a very right. troubled production. Del Toro claims that his experience butting heads with studio execs at Miramax was actually more traumatic than his father's kidnapping, <laughs> which I guess we'll talk about. Um, quote, what was happening to me and the movie was far more illogical than kidnapping, which is brutal. But at least there are rules. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. He was up. ultimately unhappy with the, uh, the way Miramax had treated him during production, which led to his friend James Cameron almost coming to blows with Miramax co-founder and oh. owner Harvey Weinstein. Fuck that guy. He should have. Dude, he, he gets that and this. Could you imagine James Cameron beating the fuck out of Harvey Weinstein? It would have been so good, like, dude. It would have been so good. He's like, dude. hey, Harvey, I need to talk to you about this film. And he's like... <laughs> Hide the roofies! Hide the roofies! Hide the roofies! He's here again. James Cameron was married to uh, Linda Hamilton from Terminator. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like dipping in the Kool Aid of his own movie. (laughs) That's usually how it happens. But this fight, (laughs) like you come to the bedroom, pull out his page, like dun 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 dun. dun." I mean, you almost have to, right? <laughs> hey Linda, I'll be back. Yeah. With every day he leaves. Dick, yeah. Every day he leaves for work. She's like, God damn it! Yeah. Can you stop? Seriously, it's I, been twenty years. I do like it. the helicopter's like dun 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 dun, <laughs> flipping it around, <laughs> smacking it on her forehead. Yeah. She's like, I'm never doing another Terminator again. Yes, you are. <laughs> Well, oh, the greatest thing about this fight that took place with almost James Cameron and Harvey Weinstein, it was during the 70th Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. that would have been oh. them in their tuxedos, just, just freaking yeah. James Cameron just whooping his up ass. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, but Cameron's not that big of a dude. Have you seen him? He's like a little weasel. Yeah, but, guy. Yeah, but it's Harvey Weinstein, fat fucking dude. That dude was. Yeah, he had weight to put behind him. And my again, fucking, yeah, but my kid could have probably beat that dude up. <laughs> and again, probably. 
Fuck Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Right. He's dead. Isn't he like dying of COVID? Yeah, he's not, doing, he's not doing good at all. Well, frankly, not that fuck it, him. Yeah, I was saying not he had that. a heart. Some, some he's got all kinds of, he's got all yeah. kinds of shit going on. Yeah, looks like a fucking asshole. goblin, by the way. He is yeah, a he's, goblin. Yeah, he's bad. He's <laughs> my precious. <laughs> anyway, moving on. In 2001, Del Toro made The Devil's Backbone. <laughs> the Devil's Backbone was produced by renowned Spanish filmmaker Pedro Almascal. What is it? Almodovar. Almodovar. What, what, what was that? Pedro Almodovar. Oh, oh, what now? Fuck you. <laughs> El Paso. Oh, okay. You like uh, the, the, not El Paso. The no, not El Paso. No. Alpaca. No, not Alpaca. Yeah, Alpaca. Okay, it's Alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> so Alpaca afforded Del Toro a level of creative freedom <laughs> that he'd never experienced up to that oh, point. Shit. And the eternally grateful Del Toro has tried to pay his gesture forward as a producer for many directors' films. The film was an international co-production between Spain and Mexico. Mexico, you know. Yeah, this most is a common the, thing that most happens. of his movies are. I've noticed. Yeah, this is a common thing that happens because I used to watch all this shit behind Star Wars, and George Lucas said the same Sorry. thing, where like he put his script in, and then they altered the hell out of it and made it what it actually well, is. Yeah, it's all rewrites and. But all so this, shit, this yeah. must happen to like all kinds of film writers Dude, first, and directors. You know? If you write a script, generally the last. The last version of that script is completely fucking well, different. We know from being in bands, and we always it's the think same as like writing the, songs. The demo or the EP yeah. version is always better than the producer. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. And the producer comes in and goes, "Listen, I've worked with Kid Rock. I can make you guys sound amazing." And Just then all get up and walk out of like, the room. The, the worst part is like when you're in the studio and you're recording, and you think you have an amazing take, and then the producer's just like. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. You're like, really? That was like my best I could ever it do. Felt he's great. Like, he's like, no. yeah, that was okay, but I'm going to need you to do it like 10 times better. <laughs> We're going to cut in 4-4. Four, four. We're going to add a little bit of tempo to this swing. And just, you know what? Change that whole riff. Change the notes to the opposite. Yeah, can you just walk out of the room and let him play it? <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, I got another band coming in. So, <laughs> so Del Toro wrote the first draft before writing his debut film, Kronos. All right, so it was actually before Kronos. Yeah. This, quote, very different version was set in the Mexican Revolution and focused not on a child's ghost, but a, quote, Christ with three arms. Yeah, that's three. way different than the actual movie. A little bit, different. <laughs> a little bit different. different. Like a tripod? Or, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Where was the, the where video, was the third the arm? Was it like out of his head? No, it's a tripod. Like he can kickstand, right? So like instead of like, instead of Jesus her? instead of Jesus's cock, he had an arm. Yeah, he had a cock arm. That's how he moved the boulder after seven days to get out of the cave. <laughs> the extra arm strength. Oh my dear God! Is that how we're getting banned? Yeah, that's that? it. Is it? That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. Again, you heard you it here say, first, folks. Jesus had oh, three arms. And one was his dick. One listen, was his so, dick. He listen, here's dick the thing. Arm. If you guys follow religion, I'm deeply sorry. Oh, stop it right now. Okay. According to Del Toro, and as drawn in his notebooks, there were many iterations of the uh, story, some of which included antagonists who were uh, a, quote, doddering old man with a needle, <laughs> a dissected ghost with black eyes as a caretaker instead of the living Jacinto who terrorizes the orphans. Yes, yes, Jacinto. And, quote, beings who are red from head to foot. So those were his initial concepts that he had in there. I Correct. Guess. Yeah. So, and uh, for mort mo motivation. <laughs> Fuck. What's motivation? <laughs> it's when you're motivated, but you're on a bicycle. Oh, yeah. You're motivated. Mor motivated. <laughs> That's right. You're motivated. <laughs> You see, I, I fixed the brakes. So you have more motivation. It's more motivation. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Your no, brake line you, busted from your motivator. <laughs> <laughs> so for more motivation Got it. for the villain, according to uh, the actor who portrayed him, who, who was Ed, Eduardo Noriega, 
Jacinto, quote, suffered a lot when he was a child at this orphanage. Somebody probably treated him wickedly. This is his heritage. And then there is the brutalizing effect of the war. Noriega uh, further notes that, quote, what Guillermo did was to write a biography of Jacinto, which went into Jacinto's parents and what they did in life and more, and then gave it to me, end quote. So that's what it yeah. is. So if you guys haven't that's seen it. It's a great movie, by the way. Uh, unfortunately, if you haven't seen it, I haven't seen movie. that one either. That's a good one. Yeah, that's, mm. I, I'm, good. I'm slacking on that. I saw it a long time ago, and I never knew it was for him. from him. I didn't know it was his movie until like fairly recently, maybe within the last like five years. There's a brewery um, based out of Virginia called Devil's Backbone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and they actually put out some really good beers, but then they decided to become just a lager house, so they don't do any, like, ales anymore, so no IPAs and things like that. I, uh, I hate IPAs. Which, by the way, little side note here, I saw you and the missus are making a beer. Yeah, 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 we got, uh, we got a brew kit from... Uh, what yeah. style of beer is it, first of it's all? It's like an Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yeah. which is kind of a weird time to do it, but that's fine. Well, we got it, we got it, like, four months ago. We just <laughs> haven't done it yet. So. You're going to have an Oktoberfest in spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll so, be a... You know what I think we should do? We should ask the listeners to name your brew. Okay. It's an Oktoberfest style. We did style. put it up there to see if we could get some names. There you yeah. go. I told you what mine should be. It's an Oktoberfest style from, uh, it's it's from a Viking company, too. So. It's a Viking? Okay, so yeah. I'm putting my vote right. in right now, Bigfoot Scrotum. <laughs> for sure daddy what's that say <laughs> i mean that's most likely how it's going to taste so. right that's what i'm saying dude if you guys need any uh pointers or anything like that let me know yeah, uh, the first thing yeah. to do is just make your mash get it all in there get everything it's together good. it's all going and yeah. then make sure you have a um a dongle on top so that way when it uh, um is all the don't forget your dongle yeah we, right now so right now out. right now it's got a it's got a rubber plug with a tube going into a glass Perfect. of water Perfect. and then it said after however long you take that out and it's got another little contraption that goes on top it probably has water it's in got it like as well. a release yeah, yeah and all it's doing is just allowing the uh excess co2 to yeah. come out yeah but if you have questions anyway. <clears throat> you got it buddy yeah so listeners name moody's beer yeah Ooh. we're not going with bigfoot scrotum not not bigfoot scrotum. really i'll go back to the drawing board all right okay, okay. so ddt <laughs> studios in barcelona created balloon the- not <laughs> jesus christ he's back <laughs> folks <laughs> Better D- than Bigfoot's growth. Yeah, it is, actually. <laughs> DD2, uh, DDT Studios in Barcelona created the final version of the crying ghost, the victim and avenger, Santi, with his temple that uh, resembled um, cracked aged porcelain. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, it's cool. The response was overwhelmingly positive, though it did not receive the critical success that one of my all-time favorite movies, Pan's Labyrinth, would in 2006. Well, then you'll be interested to hear his thoughts about Pan's Labyrinth. In this movie, I got to pee. You guys keep going. All right, yeah, Good just, luck. dude. I can't just wait, dude. I hope, I hope we hear it. <laughs> I told <laughs> him, ah! and then you're gonna hear, Dink. Yeah. <laughs> I got it, motherfuckers. So literally, we're not even joking right now. And hopefully, this video is on YouTube so you guys can see what's happening. But uh, Jeff is yeah, actually bye. going up and going to the bathroom because he has to pee every like five minutes. He's it's fucking hilarious. Anyway, so Del Toro considers the Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth to be companion pieces and go. claims that they reveal, quote, symmetries and reflections if watched together. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it. He, that he basically considers Pan's Labyrinth like a soft sequel to Devil's That's Backbone. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely looking forward he talks to it. About, he talks about it a little bit later. Awesome. His next film in 2002, yeah, boy, Blade 2. Dude, I'm sorry. I loved all the Blade I like movies. him too. I absolutely I too. loved it. Did you hear that they are going to be making either a movie or a series of a new Blade? Yes, and it's I a, did. It's a female. 
this time. That I didn't hear. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a black chip. <clears throat> nice. It looks badass. Nice. Dude. Yeah, it looks absolutely awesome. I, I liked all of them. Yeah. I liked all the blades. I think the good, blades man. are good. And I just read something today that they were going to initially make a Blade 4. I heard that. I did know that. But when Marvel got the rights back. They couldn't do it. They shit canned the idea. That's terrible. I know. And Wesley Snipes. And it Snipes was supposed was, to be Wesley Snipes. He was again. on board, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so sad. That was one yeah. of my favorite comic books of all time was Blade. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, that's it. a great, great movies. Oh, hey, look. Oh, he's, he's back. back. Are you uh, are you Sandstone? I'm or? still pregnant. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so Blade 2, we're talking about here, buddy. Oh, is that the one with Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel? No, that's no. the third one. That's the third one. That's oh, Trinity. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Trinity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I still liked. I liked it. I liked Chris Christopherson, he died in the second one, right? Spoiler. He died, he died the in the one? first one. Was no, it? he didn't die in the first one. He came back. Remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. He came he's, back in the third one, I thought. Oh, no, really? I thought he... I don't know. I don't Whistler? remember. Whistler? What was the name? Whistler? Yeah. I think he died in the second one. So maybe it was the... I don't know. God, we are because, fucking yeah, horrible. No, he does die in the first one, I think. But he... Remember, he, at yeah, the that's... very end, he climbs down the manhole cover or whatever where they thought he was dead because they beat the shit out of him. At the very end, he grabs the manhole cover and like goes down as the place is exploding and shit. When... Uh, what's his name? Steven Dorf freaking explodes and shit like that but don't, don't uh, they find him in the warehouse and then in, like he's all beat to fuck under the right. sheet and then he gives him a gun and walks away and then you hear a shot like he shot himself right, right but yeah, he yeah. actually didn't shoot himself i don't fucking remember that all yeah right, whatever he didn't shoot but been anyway a, it's been a while he's a highwayman he can't die it's true i was a highwayman and i'll be back again in blade again. two i used and to again. die Anyway, so <laughs> great song. Blade 2 was directed by Guillermo del Toro in uh, 2002 and written by David S. Goyer. And it is a sequel to the very first film and the second part of the Blade film series, followed by Blade Trinity, as we talked about. That's the one with Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel. Yeah. On a side note, they did make like two more with some other dude playing Blade that were fucking dreadful. Don Cheadle? No. <laughs> no. That might actually be good. He's a great actor. He's the poor man's Wesley Snipes. Yeah, but, but he's... <laughs> He was he was he he was War Machine, which yeah. by the way, if you guys ever want to do anything completely fucked yeah, up, he was look up uh, look up War Machine, but then look up War Machine UFC. No, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. I literally just listened to a podcast about him yesterday. Wh- which podcast? Uh, you could say it. Uh, it was the Crime and Sports. Yeah, great. War Machine. Yeah, we love Crime and Sports. I'm sorry, Moody and I absolutely yeah. love Crime and Sports. Yeah. And if you I'm guys catching chance, up, I'm catching up. That's where I'm at right now. I think uh, I've gone through all of their, their other ones with yeah. Small Town Murder, and I'm now I'm making my way through. Yeah, they also do uh, Small Town Murder. It's uh, Jimmy and James over there, yeah. and they're just fucking hilarious, dude. Like fucking, I absolutely love them. But yes, yeah. that was a great episode. Yeah. What a piece of it's shit. funny. I just listened to that yesterday. It's yeah. Funny. So if you go over there in Crime and Sports or Small Town Murder, <coughs> tell them we said hi. Yeah. They'll probably call us out and tell us we're assholes. Yeah, but yeah. We are. We are. We deserve it. <laughs> we fucking deserve it, dude. Yes, it's He's very true. He's going to tune in and be like, Liam is a dumb name for your kid. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck am I listening to? What? <laughs> <laughs> so Guillermo del Toro was hired <laughs> to direct stupid, Blade yeah. 2 by New Line production president Michael DeLuca after Stephen Norrington turned down the offer to direct the sequel. Del Toro chose not to alter the script too much from the ideas created by Goyer and Snipes. Quote, I wanted the movie to have a feeling of both a comic book and Japanese animation. End it quote. does. Oh, this is, that's the one with the uh, the face peelers, right? That's the second one? Think so. Yeah, where their jaws separate. It's separate, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah, is yeah. a fucking great one, dude. Uh, sorry, we're just literally going through Which would make now. sense now that I think about it, because I didn't actually realize that he did that until I started doing the research on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, now that you say that, if that's the one, those monsters definitely represent him pretty well. I'm I'm almost, but just look up Blade 2 real quick. Yeah. It'll tell you right now. Yeah, so we're not sounding like a bunch of jackets. We have the technology. <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. 
So Del Toro chose not to alter the script, like I was saying. And he says, uh, I wanted the movie to have a feel of Japanese animation, of course. And uh, I, uh, resu- quote, I resurrected those sources and viewed them again. I dissected most of the dailies from the first movie. I literally grabbed about four boxes of tapes and one by one saw every single tape from beginning to end until I per- perfectly understood where the language of the film first came from. Yeah, that was it. Yes, that's such a great movie. Can yeah. you throw it up there real quick? I'll see if I can, can, I can zoom that. in in there. We need to... <laughs> that's as far as I can go. Anyway, there's a monster there. Yeah, if you can see it, it's cool. You know what? We'll, we'll throw that yeah. up on the thing. So uh, send that picture to me. It's kind of like, sure like Predator Vampire. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Like his jaw. You've seen it. Yeah. yeah. His jaw opens up and shit. Freaking badass. So he says, I studied the style of the first one and think Norrington used a tremendous narrative style. His work is very elegant. Uh, Blade 2 was released on March 2nd, 2002. This was a uh, during a period of the year, uh, months March and April, considered to be a bad time for sequels to be released, which normally I fucking hate sequels anyway. So yeah. despite this, the film became the highest grossing film of the Blade series, making $80 million in the United States and $150 million. I thought that worldwide. was pretty interesting. I figured the first one would have been... Because that was a decent movie when it came out. Like it was fairly, fairly big. But it was also kind of a. It was filmed more of like an indie style. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it didn't have like if you watch, they put them back to back. The Del Toro Blade Two has more like one, yeah. cinematic value to yeah, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's probably a bigger budget and right. all that kind of stuff. The too. first one though was super dark, and I loved just yeah. how macabre yeah. the whole thing was, especially from reading the comic books. It was just it. I don't know. It really translated over well. Yeah. I thought I personally thought it was yeah. awesome. So Hellboy is a 2004 supernatural superhero film written and directed by Guillermo del Toro from a story by del Toro and Peter Briggs. Yeah. It is based on the Dark Horse comics graphic novel, Hellblade. Was Blade Dark Horse too? I want to say he's yes. Marvel. No, Blade's Marvel. No, he's That's Marvel. right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know where the hell. We just we literally just said that. Did we say it? I didn't. I didn't know. But I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck y'all. So again, it was based on the Dark Horse comics and um. Lobo is a Dark Horse character, isn't he? That I don't know. Lobo is my absolute I favorite character think so. of like all time. So yeah. they're actually supposed to be doing a movie on him. If you guys ever want to check out Lobo comics, Lobo was like the shit. He was like this intergalactic. I, like I know of um, him. I'm not really familiar with who he is, though. He was an intergalactic badass. Planetary. That, but he rode a uh, like a space motorcycle. <laughs> and he was just this brutish beast, dude. It was fucking so he's amazing. like a poor man's ghost rider. Uh, act, uh, He's a high man's ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That was definitely right through space on a space chopper. Oh, I loved him. <laughs> so Del Toro and Hellboy creator Mike Mignola, who is an amazing artist, by the way, envisioned the film as a Ray Harryhausen film. Dude, a vampire? Uh, I don't think so. I know he looks like it. Yeah, that's that's Lobo. Lobo's a, the shit. And they're supposed to be making a movie about him. Here, let me get it over there for you. If you guys can see that in there, we'll post that up too, so you guys can see who the hell we're talking about. He's awesome. So, yeah. Anyway, so he envisioned the uh, the film was shopped and rejected by various studios for years due to uh, studios disliking the title script and the fact that Perlman was cast as Hellboy. Which, How could you not like Ron Perlman as hell as anything? Because he wasn't exactly a, a great actor at that time. No, like, he wasn't super well known. You know what I mean? Awesome. I mean, in that he for, was uh, the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, right? The TV series, yeah. which is probably the most successful thing he did, other than Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> which yeah. is which is maybe why they didn't think he'd be good as exactly. Too. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And like I, I can see what they were talking about there. So Del Toro uh, invited uh, Harry, Harry Housen to teach the film's animators what made his effects techniques unique, but he declined, um, feeling that the the modern films were just too violent. He didn't like the violence in them. 
While writing the script, Del Toro researched occult Nazi philosophies and used them as a reference for the film's opening scene. In an early version of the script, the gyroscope portal was described being made out of rails that formed into pentagrams, hexagrams, and inverted stars to illustrate the film's magic and occult elements. By the way, I love Hellboy. Hellboy's great. Both of them. I, I watched it with I watched fantastic. it with my son not that long ago. Yeah, I didn't get to see the new he's, one. He's with three. It. The new one's okay. The new one's okay. Which it's, one? Uh, it's got Hopper. The, re- right? the remake. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's got uh, he looked how he looked cool in that movie. I like the way he looked. Yeah, yeah. of course you did. <laughs> Damn, dude! Anybody running around without a shirt on? My kind of guy. <laughs> All right, I saw you with that truly in that picture today. <laughs> <laughs> all that was left okay you want to hear something funny that's how much i hate ipas the only beer left was one ipa and i'm like i'll drink the truly oh god it's heartbreaking heart-wrenching oh yeah sometimes you gotta race so del toro chose to alter the origin from the comic to give main characters interconnected origins aside from working with perlman before del toro chose him for the title role because he felt perlman can deliver subtly and nuance with makeup okay hence the beauty and the beast thing right Del Toro assigned his uh, real-life friend, Santiago Sogara, to play the train driver who assaults Hellboy. The film was shot six days a week for 130 days, Mondays through Saturdays without a second unit. Sundays uh, were reserved for editing. Del Toro noted that the film could have commenced filming in 1998. However, the film had difficulty finding a committed studio due to the stigma Hollywood-associated superhero and comic book films with at the time. Don't you yeah. feel like a fucking bunch of jackasses now? Dude, that's kind of crazy to think about, though. Like, like you hear that number, 130-something days. Like, they filmed that whole fucking movie in that's actually fast. 130-something days. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Seven, Most 137 movies take, like, days. two to three years. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah and there was, a, like, and there was a lot to that movie. Like, all the fucking uh, the makeup and all that shit, like... Those are long days, man. Fight scenes and everything else, yeah. dude. Like, it's got amazing fucking, like, <laughs> that whole movie front to back is great. So the action scenes were staged after Harryhausen Films with, uh, wait, staged after at, I'm going to say, at Harryhausen Films with little to no camera movement using wide shots. No, no, no. It was staged, like, after, like, they, they made them seem like Harry, like, in the same form. Staged oh, after, after his, yeah. okay, after his films, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just they, the way it was worded, I was like, them, what? Yeah, they made them similar. All right, so the cemetery sequence was filmed in a real cemetery in Prague. There you go. Did you guys Ooh. know that? Yeah, I did not know that. So Pan's Labyrinth, this is the one I fucking love, is a 2006 dark fantasy film written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. The film is a Spanish-Mexican co-production. Del Toro stated that he considers the story to be a parable in uh, influenced by fairy tales and that it addresses and continues themes related to his earlier film, The Devil's Backbone, to which Pan's Labyrinth is a spiritual there successor, according to Del Toro in his director's DVD commentary. What's up, dude? Side note, I just Googled because I wanted to see what the longest movie in production ever was. It's, like it's still six, not even out yet. There was one that's like six hours long. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it Avatar 2? Yes. Yeah! Wait, wait, are you saying, oh, it's you're saying, It's coming out like, in tw- 2022, and it's 13 you, years in production. Okay, I was going to say, how you long might, was the original Avatar in production? Okay. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. It was long, dude. But it was Avatar like, 2 is the longest production film right now. It's setting the record for 13 years. I thought years. you meant, like, longest, like, movie. I'm actually pretty excited to see the new Avatar. As long as it's along the same lines I've, as the first one. I've never even seen the first but one. But 13 years? What if it sucks? Could you imagine that? <laughs> not only <laughs> like, that, imagine, not only that, though, think about the amount of technology that's changed in 13 years since you started. Well, yeah. that's probably why it's taken that long because <laughs> every year something else, it's like, fuck, no. come on. <laughs> now we got to redo this, goddamn. <laughs> we got to do it again. It's pretty funny. They're using, they're using 2005 
CGI technology. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea for Pan's Labyrinth came from Guillermo del Toro's notebooks, which he says are filled with, quote, doodles, ideas, drawings, and plot bits. He had the guy with the eyes in his hands. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see one of those notebooks. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm sure you could probably find the pictures online and shit. You have to be high to look at it first. So what's wrong with that? You say that like it's a bad thing. (laughs) You'd be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, Paul Bearer now? (laughs) Undertaker. (laughs) My Undertaker will destroy you, mankind. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone right now is going, what in the fuck are they yeah, talking about? WWF in the 80s. Yes, yeah, right. That's when it was WWF. Yeah. yeah. That's when it was good. Yeah. So he had been uh, keeping these notebooks for 20 years. At one point during production, he uh, left the notebook in a taxi in London and was distraught. But the cabbie returned it to him two days later. Though he originally wrote a story about a pregnant woman who falls in love with a fawn, Sergi, uh, Sergi Lopez said that Del Toro described the final version of the plot a year and a half before filming. Lopez said that, quote, for two hours and uh, two and a half hours, he explained to me all the movie, but with all the details, it was incredible. And when he finished, I said, you have a script? He said, no, nothing is written. (laughs) Can you imagine that? That would be like, that would be awesome, though. Just like being a friend of his and like knowing what he does, like he, he made Hellboy all this. And then he sits down with you and he's like, check this out. And then for two and a half hours, just weaves this fucking story of the pans labyrinth before anything is like done he doesn't have us and you're just like dude that's fucking that's awesome okay, and then okay okay listen <laughs> here's what's gonna happen okay <laughs> this guy wait wait what 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 guy he's gonna have eyeballs on his hands get the fuck out of here man <laughs> so just like, eyeballs in hand what the fuck and then like and then however like two years later that movie comes out and you're like Holy shit! He did it. He yeah. fucking did it. It's pretty freaking amazing. So Lopez agreed. Why can't to- we be friends with somebody cool like that? Because we're us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Lopez- think about it. Who's our Who's our coolest friend right now? I mean, it's me. Me. Right? Me. It's me. What oh, are you talking about? Okay. I'll let you guys. Definitely not me. So I don't. I'm not even gonna argue. <laughs> you, you can have it. I don't want the responsibility. <laughs> Wait, there's a responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. With Moody. great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Moody, you're the best friend. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Lopez agreed to act in the movie and receive the script one year later. He said that... Is that quote, J-Lo's dad? Huh? Is it J-Lo's dad? I, I doubt that. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think it is. 23 and me. It's on there. <laughs> well, he says it was exactly the same. It was incredible. In his little head, he had all the history with a lot of little detail. A lot of characters. Like now, when you look at that movie, it was exactly what he had in his head. That's crazy. Quote, which is pretty fucking That's what cool. I'm saying. Like, yeah. imagine sitting there listening to that. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, we're doing it. We're fucking doing it. Bringing, it's exactly how he told you. Bringing it to yeah. fruition like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. you have an idea. Not even just an idea. Like, hey, I got this idea about this thing that does this. It's, okay, this, this is, is going to exactly do this. And this is going to do this. And then yeah. this thing, it, that's fucking incredible. Doesn't so. always work out in the best, though. No, you're just it's negative names. No, I mean, it, it doesn't. It did for him. Some That's movies awesome. it doesn't. Well, no, there's a lot of shit. Like movies. what movie? Uh, Jar Jar Binks, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, they gave him full reign for those movies, and they all sucked ass. I don't know what you're talking about. Del Toro got the idea <laughs> of the fawn from a childhood experience with lucid dreaming. He stated on the Charlie Rose show that every midnight he would wake up and a fawn would gradually step out from behind the grandfather's clock, like a deer. Um, so a fawn, it's the it's it's like a deer type. It's a fawn, F A U N. It's like a pan. Yeah, it's a half right. goat, half man kind right. of deal. That's, I think that's yeah, that's what I assume it is as well. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 
So, so I think that's paint. originally. I think that's originally what the one dude was supposed to be like in the movie. Right. I think he talks about it. So. Yeah. So originally, the fawn was supposed to be a classic half man, half goat fawn, fraught with beauty. Damn. But in the end, the fawn was altered into a goat faced creature, almost completely made out of earth, moss, vines, and tree bark. Some of the works he drew on for inspiration include Lewis Carroll's Alice books, uh, Jorge Luis Luis Borges Ficciones, um, Arthur yeah. Mackin's The Great God Pan. He acts like he doesn't know that guy. And the White People. So it's the Great God Pan and the White People. Lord Dunsany's The Blessing of Pan, Algernon Blackwood's Pan's Garden, and Francisco Goya's works. In 2004, Del Toro said, quote, Pan is an original story. Some of my favorite writers, Borgs, uh, Blackwood, Mack, and Dunsany, have explored the figure of the good Pan, or the god Pan, because that's who it is. It's yeah. a god. Yep. And the symbol of the labyrinth. These are things that I find very compelling, and I'm trying to mix them and play with them. It was also influenced by the illustrations of Arthur Rackman. And I don't know who the hell that I'm is. Not, I didn't look at, I didn't look yeah. at any of that. There are differing ideas about the film's religious influence. Del Toro himself has said that he considers Pan's Labyrinth, quote, a truly profane film, a layman's riff on Catholic dogma. But that his friend Alejandro Gonzalez in... Oh, my God, his name. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I had it up until this part. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez in Inretu. I don't know. Look at the freaking little things over here. Inyaritu, is that right? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I okay. actually think. Yeah, the yeah, I think that's yeah, right. Inyaritu. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. gonna say that's what. I it like is. it. I All think right. you did well. Thank you. Well, describe it as a truly Catholic film. Del Toro's explanation is quote once a Catholic, always a Catholic. <laughs> it's fucked up. So like, you're a Catholic, that's why you think it's a Catholic film. Yeah. Yep. So, however, he also admits that uh, the pale man's reference for children rather than the feast in front of him is intended as a criticism of the Catholic Church. The pale man is the guy with the eyes in his hands. Yeah. yeah. Additionally, the priest's words during the torture scene were taken as a direct quote from a priest who offered communion to political prisoners during the Spanish Civil War. Quote, remember my sons, <laughs> Jesus, remember my sons, you should confess what you know because God doesn't care what happens to your bodies. He already saved your souls, end quote. That's such a creepy fucking thing to say. It's kind of mean. To kids. Yeah. To kids, to children. Yeah, You're saying this to yeah. children. Imagine having eyes on your hands, though. No, that would make masturbation really bad. I was just thinking about, <laughs> like, the sexual connotations of having yeah. eyes on your hands. You just imagine just one eye just going... Wiping your ass. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, you're cleaning your paintbrush after painting, and you dump lacquer thinner on your hand, right? <laughs> it burns! <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying, dude. Come on. Every time you put gloves on, you can't see shit. Yeah. <laughs> Blinded by the gloves. You go to wipe your ass, you get a first person view of your butthole. That's what I was saying. Yeah, hey, dude. Just, it's gross. Yeah. Wiping your ass. Yeah. Anyway. It's gnarly. <laughs> I don't like it. So, Hellboy 2 now. The Golden Army is a 2008 American that, superhero. That's Hellboy film. 2 Electric Boogaloo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Ron Perlman breakdancing. That'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a throwback to a saving, movie most people the, have no idea. They're saying he's saving the city center, dude. <laughs> With him and all his friends. Yeah, dude. During an 80s montage. Yeah. yeah. So it was a superhero film based on the fictional character Hellboy created by Mike Magnola. Again, the film was written and directed by Del Toro and is a sequel, of course, to the original Hellboy, which he also directed. Ron Perlman reprises his role as the eponymous, eponymous, eponymous. eponymous. That's what I said. I said it first. Yeah, you were right the first time. All right, then shut the fuck up. Quit second guessing yourself, man. I Just know. go in. Just go for it. All right, just go for it. Hellboy 2. <laughs> so Hellboy 2, the Golden Army was released by Universal Pictures. The director uh, sought to create a film trilogy with the first sequel anticipated to, uh, for release in 2006. Revolution Studios planned to produce the film and distribute it through a deal with Columbia Pictures. <coughs> God bless you. COVID. 
But by 2006, Maybe. their distribution deal was, uh, wasn't renewed and Revolution began refocusing on exploiting their film library. Assholes. In August 2006, Universal Pictures acquired the project with the intent to finance and distribute the sequel, which was newly scheduled to be released in summer of 2008. So basically, there were supposed to be three movies. Yeah, it was supposed to be a trilogy, yeah. Right, and he only got because the two Because all out. the bullshit, he only got the two. That sucks, because I'm... I would much rather have seen a Del Toro Hellboy three as opposed to a as opposed new, to a remake. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? absolutely. I fucking hate remakes. Ugh. I don't know why they would like. Why would you greenlight a fucking? If someone said they wanted to do something Hellboy, like why wouldn't you be like, let's see if we could get another one out of him, right? Instead of saying, yeah, go ahead, make a completely new one. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if or it a reboot, about whatever you want to call it. So production was scheduled to begin in April two thousand seven in Ityak, Hungary, near Budapest, and yeah, London, right. England. Del Toro uh, explored several concepts for the sequel, initially planning to recreate the classic versions of Frankenstein, Dracula, uh, and the Wolfman. He that would have been a completely different movie. I know, right? Can you imagine that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he awesome. and comic book creator Mike Mignola also spent a few days adapting the almost colossus story featuring Rogers, Roger the Homunculus? Homunculus. Homunculus. Mila Kunis? <laughs> Look at me, dude. Roger the Mila Kunis. They then found it easier to create an original story based on folklore because Del Toro was planning Pan's Labyrinth and Mignola's comics were becoming increasingly based on mythology. That, like, like listen to that, though. Like, he was planning Pan's Labyrinth. So he was, he had all these movies, like, going on at the same fucking time. Like, he's, he's just, writing them, thinking about yeah. them, to, like, putting all this shit down at the same time. It reminds me of, uh, what's his name, uh, from, uh, oh, shit, uh, from Always Sunny. Where he's got that whole big the board, board behind him. <laughs> Just this movie's gonna be this movie, and then this guy's got Pan's Labyrinth. Ah. That's what I'm like. That dude's got like that's kind of a, a recurring theme. Like when you read about some of this stuff, it's like, well, he this movie came out in 2010, but like he was writing it back when he was doing The Devil's Backbone and right. Pan's. Labyrinth. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, just had him for so damn long. It's crazy. So the um, uh, later Del Toro pitched a premise to Revolution Studios that involved four titans from the four corners of Earth: wind, water, fire, and earth before he replaced the Titans with a golden army. Mignola described the theme of the sequel, quote, the focus is more on the folklore and fairy tale aspect of Hellboy. It's not Nazis, machines, and mad scientists, but the old gods and characters who have been kind of shoved out of our world, end quote. Which, I mean... I like that movie, too. I did, too. I thought it was cool. I like both of those. It yeah. definitely wasn't... Uh, it wasn't boring in any way. I thought it was... No, good. it was yeah. entertaining. All right, Jeff. You've seen Pacific Rim. Yeah, it's got your boy a long uh, time ago, Charlie. What's his name? Hunnam in it, and then his last name. Yeah, yeah. From Who? Charlie uh, Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. From Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I never watched it. Well, it is a 2013 science fiction monster. No, I've seen the movie. I've never watched Sons of Anarchy. Oh, oh, really? My oh. wife, my wife watched all. I, oh, dude, I loved it. That's a great, great TV great. show. Yeah. She stopped watching it after Opie died, though. We literally had our entire band just image based off of that TV show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Swear to God. It's a wonder you failed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Holy I'm, shit. I'm kidding. Do you have a name I'm for that kidding. beer now? Do I have a beer now? It's called Dick. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so it was um, directed by um, Del Toro and in February 2006 it was reported that Guillermo Del Toro would direct Travis Beechin's, uh fantasy screenplay Killing on Carnival Row but the project never materialized. Beecham conceived Pacific Rim the following year while walking on the beach near Santa Monica Pier. The screenwriter imagined a giant robot and a giant monster fighting to the death. Quote, they just sort of... Great idea. It was, it's actually, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked it. They just sort of materialized out of the fog. These vast godlike things. 
He later conceived the idea that each robot had two pilots, asking, quote, what happens when one of those pilot or these people dies, deciding this would be, quote, a story about loss, moving on after loss, and dealing with survivor's guilt. Beecham commenced writing the film. On May 28, 2010, it was reported that Legendary Pictures uh, had purchased Beecham's detailed 25-page film treatment, now titled Pacific Rim. If you guys haven't seen it, it's actually a pretty good movie. It's very, uh, it's very, um... It's a, thro- it's a throwback. It's a throwback to, like, the old... And what they talk about a little bit, like, it's a throwback to the old, like, uh, Godzilla-type stuff, and it's that's kind of what they were going for. Right. It's, yeah. it's really very, well done. Like, just very... Uh, Visuals, fuck. Yeah, and just very has that uh, a Japanese vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? like, it's very yeah. cool. On July 28, 2010, it was reported that Del Toro would next direct an adaptation of our boy H.P. Lovecraft. Racist the, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that son <laughs> of a bitch. Crazy motherfucker. Woo! At the uh, Mountains of Madness for Universal Studios with James Cameron producing. When Del Toro met with Legendary Pictures uh, picture to discuss the possibility of collaborating with them on a film. He was intrigued by Beecham's treatment, still a, quote, very small pitch at this point. Del Toro struck a deal with Legendary while directing At the Mountains of Madness, which I haven't seen. You'll see why. Oh, okay. Keep reading. He would produce and co-write with Pacific Rim, uh, or co-write Pacific Rim because of the film's conflicting production schedules. He would direct Pacific Rim only if At the Mountains of Madness were canceled. Oof. Tom Cruise was attached to star in the Lovecraft adaptation. Holy shit. On March 7, 2011, it was reported that Universal would not proceed with At the Mountains of Madness because Del Toro was unwilling to compromise on the $150 million. Dude, they were going to make that shit for $150. $150? Imagine saying you you pocket the rest. Imagine the recoup. $150 million budget and R rating. The director later reflected, quote, when it happened, this has never happened to me, but I actually cried that weekend a lot. I don't want to sound like a puny soul, but I really was devastated. I was weeping for the movie. Aw. Can you imagine? That would have been him and James Cameron on a Lovecraft adaptation. With Tom Cruise? I don't know about the Tom Cruise part, but... I mean, he, when he's on, I he's feel on. like he, I, if, if anyone was going to get a good... Cameron and Del Toro could have probably got a, a pretty good fucking performance out of him. Yeah, and not only that, but like you put... Tom Cruise on anything, it's going to immediately sell at exactly. least some tickets. You know what I mean? Like people. Those three names: it. Del Toro, Cameron, and fucking Tom Cruise. Been huge. Like, Even if the movie sucked, it still would have been based made some on money. a Lovecraft. Like right. it would have been weird. It would have been awesome. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That's just really weird. I might, I might cry now. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, Guillermo. I've never heard of it. So the project collapsed on a Friday, and Del Toro signed to direct Pacific Rim the following Monday. Del Toro spent a year working with Beecham on the screenplay, and is credited as co-writer. He introduced ideas he had always wished to see in the genre, such as a kaiju, bur- kaiju birth and a kaiju attack seen from a child's perspective. Kaiju were the big-ass fucking the monsters. Yep. They yes. used to come from underneath the earth. In fact, wasn't uh, Godzilla a kaiju? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Godzilla! We just watched the uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters the other day. The new one with yeah. Eleven? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Is that the, That's a good movie. Doesn't he, is that the one where he fights Kong? No, that's coming out soon. Okay, see, I that's haven't the one seen where he fights one. Uh, Mothra. Uh, no, Mothra oh, and him. Hydra. Are, it's a Hydra. Yeah, go Mothra. Go Mothra. Something. Yeah. Go Hydra. Go Chira. But they use like sonar to wake it up. It's all yeah, that ice yeah, yeah. wall. Yeah, that was and pretty it's good. Like, it's like all of them coming together. There's like 15 or 16 yeah. of them, and they're all fucking great. It's and then, it's and a pretty good movie. I like the girl it. like eats a waffle, and she's like. Rah! Gets a bloody nose and lifts the monster up in the air. Oh, that's the it's wrong. Not, it's wrong movie. Jeff. Same thing. Wrong movie. Same, I, maybe the same actor. Watch it. Yeah. Maybe the, same. <laughs> the film was shot using red epic I'm cameras. As fuck right now to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. You don't watch Stranger Things? No. 
What the fuck is wrong with you? I don't have time for this shit. I have kids. I have to watch fucking kid shows. To be what honest, you, what do you kids? watch? Like, what do the kids watch? They actually like good stuff. They watch Bob's Burgers with us and Futurama. They would love. They really recently got into King of the Hill, so we've watched King oh, of the Hill. Oh, Jesus. Oh, great parenting. What the f King of the Hill? And the show, they like a uh, regular show. Bobby. And uh, Cupcake and Dino. I've never. Cupcake and Dino. I have no idea what it is. It's pretty solid, like. dude. It's pretty solid, actually. But, dude, they would totally get into that movie, that show. Yeah. Sort of guy. Oh, it's so good. And they the okay? 80s throwback oh, shit yeah. is awesome. It's not like, it's not like, it's not very uh, adult themed like there's some adult I know it's parts like 80s it. kind of like 80s stuff but it's not like they're like hey motherfucker fuck you you know what i mean right. they're not doing that the they use thing. like all 80s actors like all the older people other than the kids are all like from famous 80s movies yeah it's pretty cool give it a chance yeah. so at first guillermo del toro decided not to shoot or convert uh the film to 3d as the effect would not work due to the sheer size of the film's robots and monsters explaining i didn't want to make the movie 3d because when you have things that big the thing that happens naturally you're looking at two buildings let's say at 300 feet away if you move there, if you move, there is no parallax. They're so big that in 3D, you barely notice anything no matter how fast you move. To force the 3D effects for uh, robots and monsters that are supposed to be big, you are making their perspective miniaturized, making them human scale. Makes sense. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You guys get that? That's how it's done. Yeah. Yeah, but read the next part. It was later announced that the film would be converted to 3D. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm <laughs> fuck. So, man, they're just fucking him all up, aren't they? So it was later announced that the film would be converted to 3D, with the conversion taking 40 weeks longer than most. Del Toro said, quote, what can I tell you? I changed my mind. I'm not running for office. I can do a Romney. <laughs> yeah. I told you he's a cold machine, dude. It's pretty amazing. He's just like, what the fuck you want from me? I changed my mind. Yeah, right, I'm allowed right. to do that. Yeah, I changed my mind. Yeah, whatever. So Del, uh, Del Toro envisioned <laughs> Pacific Rim as an honest, colorful, colorful, God bless it, colorful adventure story with an incredibly Aryan-like feel. <laughs> In contrast to the super brooding, super dark, cynical summer movie, the director focused on, uh, quote, big, beautiful, sophisticated visuals and action that would satisfy an adult audience, uh, but has stated his real hope is to introduce the kaiju and mecha genres to a generation of children, which I would assume it did because it, it's pretty when you're a kid and you're watching it, it's pretty fucking impressive. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, I was impressed. Watching giant robots fight giant monsters. Yeah, and you yeah. Have these two guys getting up in this thing and you have to learn like one guy controls one half, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you have to work in unison and all yeah. that. I don't but know. He went wrong because Power Rangers did it already. It's different. Not really. It's different. Yeah, it is. They I all mean, combine to make the, the mega whatever robot. And yeah, well, fight Voltron monsters. did that shit first, so fuck Power Rangers. It's true. All right, then. Actually, go back and look at um, Spider-Man, uh, Japan Spider-Man. They actually did that shit first. Spider-Man? Yeah, they actually had a complete Japanese line of Spider-Man. And I just watched, if you want to watch a really cool um, uh, show on, it's a documentary on Mar uh, on Marvel, on Disney, called Marvel 616. I saw that. I didn't watch it, though. Dude, it's fucking amazing. It it's awesome. So the very first episode is about how they introduced Spider-Man over there. And Spider-Man ended up having a robot that basically helped stem Power Rangers and all these other guys. Hmm. It's pretty, pretty crazy. crazy. Them and robots. <laughs> Well, it's funny when you hear these That's guys they talking. Do, they're like, That's what they do. The, the guy who, one of the directors, or whatever, and he's like, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just thought to myself, we need a robot. <laughs> Apparently, it's just like, that's all they do over there is robots. They like robots. You think they have a robot in the lab that's like COVID 19 and just lets it go? And the next thing you know, we all have it. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I, I don't want to step on your conspiracy corner or anything, but. 
Okay, so while the film draws heavily on these genres, it avoids direct references to previous works. Del Toro intended to create something original, but madly in love with its influences. Instilled with epic beauty and operatic grandeur, the film was to honor the kaiju and mecha genres while creating an original standalone film, something, quote, conscience of the heritage, but not a pastiche? Pastiche. Pastiche. Oh, that's a pastiche, yeah. And then homage. I see that one too. Ah! Sounds like a sounds like a, a weird food, some <laughs> sort of spreadable meat or something. <laughs> have you pastiche? tried the Have you tried the pastiche? It's not too bad. <laughs> I'll have the, uh, the spaghetti with the pastiche, please. <laughs> just uh, just put it on your toast. You'll be fine. It, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And that's when I told him, <laughs> Jesus. Just turn your head and cough, and we'll see what's going on. Remember, that's there. how that started with our ants before, so oh, let's, yeah, let's yeah. not do that. Yeah. So the director made a point of starting from scratch without emulating or referencing any previous examples of those genres. He cautioned his designers not to turn to films like Gamera, Godzilla, or The War of the Gargantuas for inspiration, stating, quote, I didn't want it to be a postmodern or referential or just belong to a genre. I really wanted to create something new, something madly in love with those things. I tried to bring epic beauty to it and a and drama and operatic grandeur. Operatic grandeur. You like that? It's good. I, I like your French accent. It's a good one. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. You know what's funny? I just thought of this. What? I'm totally selling this out. But like, uh, if you go back now, if you if we watch the video and you try to splice it together, right, to make it look like it was whatever, uh, it, we just like this shit just appeared. <laughs> Magic. You mean? Like, these? Like, like literally, it Which, went from like us just talking, and now all of a sudden, there's just like shit sitting here. You know what you have to do? You have what? to put it in slow motion, make the six million dollar man effect. <laughs> oh yeah, can I get that uh, that koozie over there? Just so just gotta cover we got to cover it up a little bit, so they don't see that we're drinking um, 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 a refreshing beverage made by uh, L- Liller Might. Yes, it, yes. R- it rhymes with that. <laughs> Like it's, you can, it still God says damn it. Anyway, this is for all you guys. We didn't have one before, so we're slacking. Ha ha ha. There you go. Yeah. So Crimson Captain Peak. Kidney Stone over there can't yeah. drink one, apparently. <laughs> Poor guy. That's okay. You'll get one one day. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, but when you start drinking a lot, you piss a lot. So maybe that's what you need. Just drink yeah, a you lot. Just drink water. Beer dehydrates you. Alcohol yeah, but you pee a lot when you drink you. beer, right? You, yeah. You're pissing every five minutes. It dehydrates you, though. It, it dehydrates shrinks your tubes up, and then that's when it fucking hurts. That's not my problem. I'm just trying to help you pee. <laughs> That's tomorrow Jeff's problem. Yeah. <laughs> Today right. Jeff should have a beer. <laughs> so Crimson Peak is 2015. A, uh, it is a 2015 gothic romance film. That was film. a good movie. I saw that I the haven't theater. seen that. I, I haven't seen, seen that one. one. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. It's got uh, Loki. The guy yes. that plays oh, okay. Loki. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, Tom Hiddleston. 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 Who? Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Hitler right. Nippelstein. <laughs> Hinterkaifeck, right? Hinterkaifeck. Tom Hinterkaifeck. Yeah. So it was directed by Del Toro and written by Del Toro and Matthew Robbins. The story, set in Victorian era England, follows an aspiring author who travels to a remote Gothic mansion in the English hills with her new husband and her <clears throat> sister. There, she must decipher the mystery behind the ghostly visions Ooh. that haunt her new home. Ooh. Del Toro and Robbins wrote the original script. Um, uh, after the sorry. release of Pan's Labyrinth in 2006. Are you okay? Yes. Jeez. Yes. You just had one sip. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. It was very carbonated My and cold. My God. You had one sip and you're throwing up on the microphone. I'm fucking hammered, too. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> lightweight. Uh, Moody's a lightweight. All right. Last weekend, I drank a half a bottle of Crown, so... 
wasn't was half hurting. a bottle. I was hurting. Last yeah, week. I was about to say that didn't feel surprising. Good. He wasn't hung over though. Could you picture, I can picture him on his couch and like, you know, the family's doing their thing and he's in the corner and he's just like, I don't fucking tell you guys. <laughs> you know, like half passed out and in. <laughs> you the know, because they're like, hey, dad, hey, dad. And he's like, I don't tell you. <laughs> no, I just get drunk and beat him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now we're definitely banned. You know, <laughs> I only like one of you, but it's up to you to figure it out. <laughs> you guys should wait. Let's move the couch and you guys fight it out. Yeah. There you go. Who wants Christmas this year? You each Take get, the knife. You each get one weapon. Just whatever's laying around, you get to pick one. And whoever's left standing, I love you. <laughs> my parents made us fight, my sister and I. They had enough at one point when we were little. I was probably like maybe 10. She was 12 or 13. And we were going at it, going at it. And finally, my mom's like, Whoa. she's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm sick of this shit. She's Phrasing? like, kill, she's like, kill each other. I don't care. So I was like, sweet. I fucking just boom. <laughs> Knocked her cold, like ah, out cold. You, you hit your sister, yeah, dude. Like what I hit her dick. hard. What a dude. She fucking hit the ground. Like it was done. And my mom's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I was like, "You told me to just go ahead." I got grounded for like two this, months for that. This episode, my sister had like a this bloody episode nose. going off the rails oh, yeah. horribly. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. It's turning into a really it bad psychology session when you said that. Oh it's god, like, I can't believe you hit your sister. Oh yeah, dude, I knocked her out. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But for a ten-year-old, it was pretty impressive, dude. <laughs> oh my god! So the movie, <laughs> the movie was Jesus. sold quietly to Donna Langley at Universal. Del Toro planned <laughs> to direct the film, but postponed the project to make Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, and then again to work on the Hobbit films. Langley, oh, he did those. He was a part of them. A little uh, bit. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. I think it talks about it a little bit on this. Yeah. So uh. Langley suggested that Del Toro produce the film uh, for another director, but he could not find one he deemed suitable. While directing Pacific Rim, Del Toro developed a good working relationship with legendary pictures Thomas Toll and John Jashni, who asked what he wanted to do next. Del Toro sent them his screen pro- uh, screen praise. <laughs> screen praise. Oh, hurry, shit. Where is screen praise? <laughs> We're pretty screen breaker read through. Hurry up. Oh my god. You sound like the shitty wall guy from South <laughs> Goddamn Mongolians! <laughs> First time listeners, I'm so sorry for no, everything no, you've heard. He is everything you've heard it's, so far. It's a party and everyone's invited. It's oh, true. Boy. We're just three musicians and that's <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty rough. So the uh I can't even remember where the hell I was now. Screen praise. Screen praise. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent him the screenplays for a film adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness, a Again. Western adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo and Crimson Peak. The producers deemed the last of these the best project for us just the right size. Universal allowed Del Toro to move the project to Legendary with the caveat that they could put up money for stake in the film. So he had so At the Mountains of Madness we talked about earlier. Right. And then he wanted to do an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo? Yep. That's what it sounds like. This dude's all over the map. That would have been probably really cool too. I, I, I've seen the. He said a Western adaptation. Yeah. Does, like that, mean like, does that mean like? Does that mean like a like? Yeah. That's what. I'm, does that mean like a Western like? No. Western as in like I just a, like a United States like United like, States like a West Western world. Yeah. 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 That's what I think it would mean because Western adaptation would be amazing. The Western yeah a Western version of the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yes, it's su- dude such a great story and uh, yeah the movie I think, I think my wife really likes that story. In the movie in the what did it come out in the nineties? I, I think engineer. it was awesome. <laughs> Jesus. So Del Toro wanted the film. 
Merry Christmas. <laughs> by, the time, by the time you all hear this, I'll probably be living somewhere else. Yep, yep, yep. So Del Toro wanted the film to honor the grand dames of the haunted house genre, namely Robert Wise's The Haunting and Jack Clayton's The Innocence. The director intended to make a large-scale horror film in the tradition of those he grew up watching, such as The Omen, The Exorcist, and The Shining. I believe that's actually The Shining. <laughs> the Shining. Do you want to get sued? <laughs> He cited the latter as another Mount Everest of the Haunted House movie. Um, movies praising the high production values and Stanley Kubrick's control over the large sets. British playwright Lucinda Coxon was enlisted to rewrite the script of Del Toro in hopes of bringing it. Now, I hopefully you guys saw that up there. I just looked at him and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> did you guys see that? I said Coxon and they both looked at each other like, ha ha ha. Bunch of fucking 12 year olds around here. I swear to God. <laughs> Read your script. <laughs> the Shape of Water is a 2017. I heard that's a piece of shit movie. Oh, uh, it won a bunch of awards. Dude, it's won they a ton do. of awards. The critics love it. Like, Has anybody audience, seen it? I, have, I haven't seen that one. I haven't one. seen it either. Nope. Dude, audience scores are off the fucking charts for that movie. What is though. it about? What is it a boot? You're about well, to find let's, out. Let's find out. Oh, <laughs> bonus. <laughs> so it's a romantic fantasy drama filmed, uh, of course, directed by Del Toro and written by Del Toro and Vanessa Taylor. Set in Baltimore, Maryland in 1962, the I'm story out. follows... Sounds like a piece of shit yeah, to me. <laughs> it follows a mute cleaner and at a high security government laboratory who falls in love with a captured humanoid amphibian creature. Oh, come on. Filming took place in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada between August and November 2016. Has anybody seen Splash? Hello to our Canadian listeners. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's comparing it to Splash. Come on. Holy Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah. Good movie. Yeah. Love God that movie. Damn. So the idea for, again, hello to our Canadian listeners, by the way. We're Yay! getting a lot of money. Hey! Hey, what the hell are we found out that we're actually doing uh, quite well in Canada, so it's, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. We were, Hold on. you know, we what? were <laughs> <laughs> until today. Well. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know what's weird about Canada? First time we ever went to Canada, we were uh, was, we were like nineteen, so we went up to Windsor because it's yeah, fucking two hours yeah. away. And we went Imagine to, being Canadian and we, hating Windsor because all the Americans yeah, come oh, up yeah. there when they're nineteen. So we well, went they to fucking a, come again. Eh? We, we went to a strip club, right? And it was the most confusing thing ever because here. It's dollars. Yeah. They have fucking coins for dollars. We're like... You just throw the coins at them? You throw them on the stage. We're like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with these? They're like, called loonies, aren't they? Aren't well, they, they have loonies and toonies. Okay. They have ones and twos. <laughs> but so we were like, wait, did like... Toonies. Like, what are we... How do we... We were so confused. We didn't know how to so do it. I, we sat there for like an hour just like... Well, here's what I picture. I take a rubber like, band and throw them. <laughs> the door opens, right? And you hear, pour some sugar on me by Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And then this girl comes to the stage and there's Moody and he's standing there and he's like, <laughs> like I got five loonies, baby, take it off. <laughs> She's like getting hit with coins like <laughs> I had my change. I should have went to school, eh? I had uh, I had my little uh little smiley face coin purse that you'd squeeze and it would pop open. Oh, I remember those. <laughs> yeah. So the idea for Shape of Water Anyways. formed during Del Toro's breakfast with Daniel Krauss in 2011, <laughs> with whom he later co-wrote the novel Troll Hunters. It shows similarities movie, to the, the 2015 short from uh, film The Space Between Us. It was also primarily inspired by... It sounded like a retarded Kermit the Frog. <laughs> 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. A, a mentally uh, handicapped. Yes. Hey a. ho, satellite <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> What the fuck is going on today? <laughs> so it was also <laughs> primarily inspired by Del Toro's childhood memories of seeing Creature from the Black Lagoon and wanting to see the Gill Man and sense. Kay Lawrence, played by Julie Adams, succeed in their romance. Okay, time out. Oh boy, Troll Jeez. Hunters. I think I've seen this. It's, a, it's, an, an, it's like, an animated one. Oh, it's animated. Yeah. Have you seen them? I don't know if it's called Troll. It's Troll something. Yeah, I know what you're talking. And they're about. in Alaska, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're yeah, like yeah. giant fucking giants. No, that they're giant fucking giants. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? No, I know the movie you're talking yeah. about. I've never seen it though. I thought that was Troll Hunters. It uh, might be. I think that's just Troll Hunter. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Though. You don't have Google on your phones. This is a thing. You guys can actually look that up real quick. We could. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going to. Read your script. We'd so, rather be wrong and sound like idiots. When Del Toro was in talks with Universal to direct a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon, he tried pitching a version focused more on the creature's perspective, where the creature ended up together with the female lead. But the studio executives rejected the concept, which actually kind of yeah, sounds kind of cool. I'd, I'd reject it, too. It sounds yeah. like shit to me. Jesus Christ. That's, Del why, Toro. that's, that's why you work at a fucking <laughs> printing yeah, that's company. Right. So Del Toro set the film during the 1960s Cold War era to counteract today's heightened tensions. Quote, if I say once upon a time in 1962, it becomes a fairy tale for troubled times. People can lower their guard a little bit more and listen to the story and listen to the characters and talk about the issues rather than the circumstances of the issues. End quote in an interview with IndieWire about the film. He also says, uh, this movie is a healing movie for me. For nine movies, I rephrased the fears of my childhood, the dreams of my childhood, and this is the first time I speak as an adult about something that worries me as an adult. I speak about trust, otherness, sex, love, where we're going. These are not concerns that I had when I was nine or seven. Well, I fucking hope not. Talking about sex and shit? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Did you think about that at nine? I don't know what the fuck I was doing when I was nine. Still had a beard. <coughs> oh, yeah. I was starting. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Nine-year-old Moody run into the Christmas tree, opens up a box, and it's a big razor. He's like, yay! <laughs> so the shape of water grossed 60. How many years did they hold you back, bro? <laughs> Three. I'm really a third grader, I promise. <laughs> the shape of water grossed 63.9 million in the United States and Canada and 131.4 million in other countries Man, for a total of we 195.2 million dollars. Yeah. I've heard it's good. I haven't seen it. I've heard it's good. I don't know. That's what yeah, everybody says it's amazing, but it, it's, it's got a ton of good reviews. It's got a ton of like it won a bunch of awards, a ton of fucking uh uh, like critic critic accolades and shit like that. So I'm just it's been done before. Like, <clears throat> what has the movie? The theme? It's not like Splash at all. <laughs> it's like Aquaman. <laughs> it's nothing like Aquaman. Yeah, it's like Little Mermaid. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So Pinocchio is an up and coming stop or up yeah an up and upcoming motherfucker stop motion animated musical. (laughs) Holy shit! It's a dark fantasy film co-written and directed by Guillermo del Toro based on Grizz Grimley's uh, design from his 2002 edition of the 1883 Italian novel (laughs) The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. It was written from a screenplay by del Toro, Grizz Grimley, Patrick McHale, and Matthew Robbins, and a story. Uh, by Del Toro and Robbins. The film marks the animated feature film directorial debut of Guillermo Del Toro. In 2008, Guillermo Del Toro announced that his uh, that his next project, a darker adaptation of the Italian novel The Adventures of Pinocchio, was in development. It's awesome. He has called Pinocchio his passion project. Good, and it's animated? Yeah. yeah it's be like cool. stop motion, yeah. 
He has uh, called Pinocchio his passion project, <clears throat> stating that, quote, no art form has influenced my life and my work more than animation, and no single character in history has had as deep of a personal connection to me as Pinocchio. And, quote, I've wanted to make this movie for as long as I can remember. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah. On yeah. February 17, 2011, it was announced that Grizz Grimley and Mark Gustafson would co-direct a stop-motion animated an, animated animated Pinocchio film written by Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Robbins, based by Grimley's designs with del Toro producing, along with the Jim Henson Company. Oh, hi. <laughs> and Pathé. I'm not sure what Pathé is. On May 17, 2012, del Toro took over the uh, for Grimley. On February, tw- uh, February 2012, del Toro released some concept art with the designs of Pinocchio, Geppetto, the talking cricket, um, Ma- <laughs> Mangiofuco, and the fo- fox and the cat. On July 30th, 2012, it was announced that the film would be produced and animated by Shadow Machine. Machine. Kill them all, Machine. Shadow Machine's pretty badass, by the way. What do they do? They make stop motion films. You have no idea. <laughs> I sold you for like two you did. seconds. You did for a second. Like, oh, I know you know a lot about movies. So the second yeah. you said that, I was like, oh, really? I mean, Google it. It's, really? it's for real. <laughs> so in January 23rd, 2017, Patrick McHale was announced to co-write the script with Del Toro on August 31st, 2017. Del Toro told IndieWire and at the 74th Venice International Film Festival that the film needs a budget increase of $35 million more dollars or it would be canceled. On November 8th, 2017, he reported that the project was not happening because no studios were willing to finance it. At one point, Matthew Robbins considered making the movie as a 2D animated film with French artist Johan, or Joan, Johan, I'm going to say Johan Sfar to bring the cost down, but Del Toro eventually decided that it had to be stop motion, even if the higher budget made it harder to get green-lighted. However, on October 22nd, 2018, it was announced that the film had been revived with Netflix acquiring it. Yeah. Yeah, but Netflix is <clears throat> shit. Like, they ruined fucking Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal was amazing. So, and real they quick, canceled it. Yeah, I wasn't quick, a fan of any of those. Yeah. I thought it was all right. It was fucking awesome, dude. Dark Crystal, the new yeah. one? I thought it was pretty good. It was really good. Um, the new one or the yeah, old one? Yeah, the new one. New one. Oh, I thought you said they ruined it. They did, but they canceled it. They canceled it. it. Oh, because they canceled yeah. it. I thought you meant yeah. they ruined it by making it. Because everybody wants <laughs> that like, fucking Star Wars money. So, yeah. uh, so real quick. Uh, he does have another one in production called Nightmare Alley. Um, it's a screen. It's it's going to be directed by him and uh, screenplay by him and Kim Morgan, based on a novel by the same name. Um, it's about an ambitious young carny, yeah, <laughs> with a talent for manipulating people uh, with a few well chosen words. Hooks up with female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Mm. Listen to this cast though. It's got uh, Bradley Cooper as the carny. Awesome. Kate Blanchett is uh, the okay. uh, psychiatrist. Awesome. And then you have Willem Dafoe, Tony Collette, uh, Ron Perlman's in it again, Rooney Mara's in it, uh, and then my favorite, I don't know who he is, but his name's Jim Beaver. <laughs> dude, you put Willem Dafoe in anything, and I'm yeah. in, dude. Mary, I, Mary Steenburgen? I know Mary She's Steenburgen. In yeah. She was in... Um, she was in. Why can't I think of the name name of the movie? Uh, Michael, Michael, yeah, with John yeah, Travolta. Yeah, with John Travolta. Yeah. Uh, he was an angel. Jim, uh, Jim, Jim Beaver. Uh, <laughs> Jim Beaver is. Uh, he is some dude named Bobby Singer in the show Supernatural. He was oh. also in Deadwood. Okay. And uh, Justified. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I know who it is. Yeah. I just leave, like, leave it to Beaver. I yeah. just like his name, Jim Beaver. So that is the film history of director Guillermo del Toro. So but those are just the films that he himself directed. Correct. He's produced a fuckload. Yeah, he's been involved in a lot of shit. So the, the big distinction is when you direct it, you're the one that's saying, do this, do that. This is what we're doing. This is a, When you produce it, you essentially... Most of the time, it. producers are just putting money in. Right, they're like, "Here's the money, do what you want to do." Well, so when um, so 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 a producer will sometimes have like a say so and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone that's an, an executive producer, that is someone that's literally just the bank. They're yeah. cash. They're executive throwing... producers, all money. Yeah. yeah, it's all producer. Money. If you're a producer, you generally are a money guy, but you maybe have some say. You got a little say so in it, right? Yeah. So a little bit more on his life here. He was married to Lorenza Newton, cousin of Mexican singer Guadalupe Pineda. Yeah. Yes. All right. You know, all right. Yeah. All right. He's cool. gym with Esteban. Yeah. I think it's a girl. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. They, Esteban. <laughs> Esteban with the you guitar. too can play like Dude, Esteban. Hold up. Funny shit. Oh, man. When I worked at Guitar Center. It's a sidebar. It's fine. It's funny. We had an, a used Esteban guitar in there, right? And they sell those things for like 300 fucking dollars on Home Shopping Network or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. We had a used one there for like $30 and we sold it. And then literally like an hour after we sold it, fucking Esteban came in the guitar center. No way. We were like, holy shit, we're, it's probably a good thing we didn't have his guitar up there for like 30 Like the fucking- Esteban? <laughs> yes. What guitar center? Mayfield? Mayfield. What the hell was he doing in Mayfield? I don't know. But listen, what I- the hell I, was he doing in Ohio? I do have something to say, and that is at the fuck guitar center. Completely and totally. Yeah. Still, I will never, ever, ever. Yeah. Dude, they completely changed. There's like two people working in guitar center now. So I went in there the other it's day. So shitty compared to what we only because I had to because I had to get cables for our new camera and stuff. So I walked in there. Took freaking forever. Yeah, hi by the way up there. I walked in there and the guy's like, "Oh, you know, it's gonna be a minute. I gotta help these people yeah, out." Yeah, and they like, don't have people in each department yeah. like they used to. And I'm like, "Dude, that's fine. Whatever. You know, just take your time. I, I'm just getting these few different you know cables or whatever." And I hear these uh, these people over here talking about a keyboard. And they're like, you know, I, I, I don't know, they were Latino of some sort or whatever. And, you know, I hear them talking back and forth and then talking to him in English and back and forth. And he's like, well, you know, that's the only one we have is the floor model. And the guy's like, well, can you sell me the floor model? And he's like, yeah, for sure I can do that. He was like, well, take any money off of it. It's like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> yep. And I'm standing there and I'm going, first of all, yes, you can. And then I'm thinking to myself and he goes, well, can I talk to a manager? Can a manager take it down for me? And the kid literally looks at the guy and goes, well, you could, but he's just going to tell you the same thing. And I was like, you motherfucker. So here's the, here's the thing with that, though. <clears throat> so I right, used to work at Guitar Center, so I know. I well, know. here's the thing. They got bought out. They were they used to be a private company. Then they got bought out when I still worked there by this big, like, fucking conglomerate. And they literally said that, like, at the end of when I was still working there, they took everybody's power away. Like, the only person that can take any money off of any kind of product now is the GM of the store. Like, I used to be able to do whatever the fuck I wanted to because oh, I was yeah. a system manager. Like, you can't do anything now unless you're the store manager. That's so dumb. So they literally, you can't do that anymore. They won't let you t- make deals and take money off. Yeah, so hey, Guitar Center, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, That's what fuck, I say. Fuck y'all. Fuck you you can buy anything you can get at Guitar Center on Amazon anyways. Absolutely. Cheaper. A day. Cheaper. Yeah. Go in there. Hey, do, do, do me a favor. <clears throat> go in there. Play it. Waste the fucking person's time and then go buy it online somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So, Just not from guitars that are online. <laughs> so Del Toro and his wife have two children. He started dating Lorenza when uh, both were studying at the Instituto, Instituto de Ciencias in Guadalajara. Oh, Del Toro yeah. and Newton separated in early 2017 Aww, and divorced bummer. in September 
of the same year. He said he had problems with sex, remember? That was the shape of water. That was when he was nine, though. Well, no, he said he didn't think about sex when he was nine. Yeah. Maybe that's his problem. <laughs> yeah. So he maintains residences in Toronto and Los Angeles and returns to Guadalajara every six weeks to visit Toronto. His hey. Hey, Canadian. All right. I like Toronto. Toronto's good. So he also owns two for houses. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guy. Toronto. Hockey guy. He also owns two houses devoted exclusively to his collections of books, poster artwork, and other belongings <laughs> pertaining to his work. He owns houses just to hold his shit. Just to hold his shit. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. That's pretty that, that, fucking that's amazing. That's a baller move. Right you can there. actually it go is, online. And if you go totally online baller. and you look up his houses or just kind of Google his name, you can see the inside of his house and all the cool shit he's got. I'd love to walk through it. Yeah. Just be like, Do you think the agent, like the the real the realtor agent was like, oh, this is like a great family room? He's like, I don't give a fuck. It it's has cool. to hold books. I'm just going to have all my books <laughs> yeah. and shit. How many bookshelves can I put in this bitch? <laughs> so he explains, quote, as a kid, I dreamed of having a house with secret passages in a room where it rained 24 hours a day. A room where it rained 24 hours a day. The point of being over 40 is to fulfill the desires you've been harboring since you were seven. Well, I mean, yeah, get what you want Does when you're older, have, right? Did he make that happen? Does he have a room where it rains 24 hours a day? He said that's what he used to dream about, so I don't know. Maybe he does. That'd be I'll pretty cool. Into that. So in a 2007 interview, Del Toro described his political position as, quote, a little too liberal. He pointed out that villains in most of the villains in most of his films, such as the industrialist in Kronos, the Nazis in Hellboy, and the Francoists in Pan's Labyrinth, are united by the common attribute of authoritarianism. Quote, I hate structure. I'm completely anti-structural in terms of believing in institutions. I hate them. I hate any institutionalized social, religious, or economic holding. Jeez. Say what you feel, brother. Until he's got to sell one of his book houses to pay for taxes. <laughs> So Del Toro was raised Catholic, like we talked about. In a 2009 interview with Charlie Rose, he described his upbringing as excessively morbid, saying, quote, I mercifully lapsed as a Catholic, but as a, a Buñuel, wait, but as Buñuel used to say, I don't know what Buñuel is. Buñuel. Boomhauer? That's Boomhauer used to say. Yeah, Bobby. <laughs> So he said, as uh, as but as Buñuel uh, used to say, I'm an atheist, thank God. Though insisting that he is spiritually, quote, not with Buñuel, and that, quote, once a Catholic, always a Catholic in a way, he concluded, quote, I believe in man. I believe in mankind as the worst and the best that has happened to this world. He has also responded to the observation that he views his art as his religion by saying, quote, it is to me, art and storytelling serve primal spiritual functions in my daily life. Whether I'm telling a bedtime story to my kids or trying to mount a movie or write a short story or novel. I Imagine his fucking seriously. bedtime stories. Oh, that'd be amazing. Viewer's kid? Jesus Christ. The shit he probably puts in your head? You'd probably grow up either really <laughs> fucked up or yeah. really fucking like, uh, you know, into the shit. Yeah, yeah. So he says here, uh, nevertheless, he became, nevertheless, I don't know why I put a T in the end of that. That's really good. Nevertheless, he, it's just like Hinterkaifeck. I was yeah, doing that yeah. the last one. Yeah. <laughs> so nevertheless, he became a raging atheist after seeing a pile of human fetuses while volunteering at a Mexican hospital. He has claimed to be horrified by the way the Catholic Church compiled, uh, complied with Francois, uh, Francois Spain down to having a character in his film, quote, what actual priests would say to Republican faction members <clears throat> in concentration camps. Upon discovering the religious beliefs of C.S. Lewis, Del Toro has stated that he no longer feels comfortable enjoying his work, despite having done so beforehand. He describes Lewis as, quote, too Catholic for him, despite the fact that Lewis was never a Catholic. <laughs> Jesus. However, Del Toro isn't entirely disparaging of Catholicism, and his background continues to influence his work. 
While discussing the shape of water, Del Toro discussed the Catholic influence on the film, stating, quote, a very Catholic notion is the humble force or the force of humility that gets revealed as a godlike figure toward the end. It is also used in fairy tales. In fairy tales, in fact, there is an entire strand of tales that would be encompassed by the title The Magical Fish, and it's not exactly a secret that a fish is a Christian symbol, end quote. Oh, man, he's getting all kinds of obi whatever here. So in 2010, Del Toro revealed that he... Oh, real quick, what? sorry. Uh, I did find out about... He He does have a rain room in his house. It's not what... It's, yeah, he gets a fucking not, round of applause okay. for that one. It's not what you would think, though. It's not how you would think it would be. It's uh, like one, it says, it's one drop coming from the ceiling because he didn't roof right. <laughs> no, no, it says one of the more fabled yeah. aspects of the actual bleak house is... It's what it's called is his bleak house. Bleak house. Uh, is Del Toro's famous rain room. It is the stuff of moody teen dreams. Not mine. Wait, your teen dreams? Apparently, I don't know. Oh, that's pretty cool. I have to talk to him about that. You have wet dreams <clears throat> when you were a teen? What do you mean when? Well, it's raining. When I was a teen. Was I still? <laughs> that, Why does it have to be encompassed by only being yeah. a teen? Like, uh, <laughs> It says it's outfitted with windows that give the illusion of a perpetual downpour. He says It says he does most of his writing in the rain room and... Uh, Inside, you'll find collections of Edgar Allan Poe, including six stuffed ravens, uh, care of the Royal Ontario Museum. Huh. Look at that. It so, says also in his house, apparently, he's got like life-size, uh, life-size, life-size statues of all of like the monsters from Pan's Labyrinth. I did hear that. Kind of shit. I did hear that he actually it's got has a giant. Those. It's got a fucking giant Frankenstein head. Like when you walk in, they just saw a picture of it. It's fucking huge, like above the staircase. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks pretty sweet, dude. In 2010, Del Toro revealed that he was a fan of video games, describing them as, quote, the comic books of our times, and, quote, a medium that gains no respect among the intelligentsia. He has stated that he considers uh, Echo and Shadow of the Colossus to be masterpieces. You guys ever played either one of those? Echo the Dolphin? It's Echo, I-C-O. Echo the Dolphin. Not no. What, that's the other one. That's from Sega Genesis, bro. It's I've never back. heard of that one. I've heard of Shadow of the Colossus. I've never played either one though. Yeah. So uh, he has cited uh, gadget invention, travel and adventure, cosmology of Kyoto asteroids, and Galaga as his favorite video games. Galaga is shit. Asteroids. Asteroids. Fuck yeah, dude. Del Toro's favorite film mon- monsters are Frankenstein's monster, the alien, Gilman, um, Godzilla, and the Thing. Frankenstein in particular has a special meaning for him. In both film and literature, as he claims he has a, uh, quote, a Frankenstein fetish to a degree that is unhealthy and that it, quote, yeah, is the most he's important got a ton book of, of my life. Shit in, uh, in his house, that was saying he's got a ton of Frankenstein shit. Says, uh, so, you know, if I get to it, whenever I get to it, it will be uh, it will be the right way. So he wants to do a Frankenstein, a Frankenstein yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah, He has Brazil, Nosferatu, <clears throat> Freaks and Bram Stoker's Dracula listed among his favorite films. Del Toro is also highly interested in Victorian culture. He said, quote, I have a room in my library at home called the Dickens Room. <laughs> it has every work by Charles Dickens, Wilkie Collins, and many other Victorian novelists, plus hundreds of works about Victorian London and its customs, etiquette, architecture. And uh, I'm a Jack the Ripper aficionado, too. My museum slash home has a huge amount of ripperology in it. That's awesome. It's pretty dude, I'd badass. like to hang out with this guy. Yeah. He's, I feel like we'd be He sounds friends. cool, dude. He, he really does. does. I just want a room for stuff. That's badass. <laughs> Like, this is my SpaghettiO room because I love SpaghettiOs. I have all different kinds from different years. And he's got two houses that he just put shit in. Yeah. All right. So earlier we mentioned that his father was kidnapped. And he actually said that his uh, interaction with that film studio was worse. Mir- Miramax. Was the worse, was worse than the kidnapping. So 
Around 1997, Del Toro's father, Federico uh, Del Toro Torres, was kidnapped in Guadalajara. Del Toro's family had to pay twice the amount originally asked for as a ransom immediately after learning of the kidnapping. Dude, this is like, okay, let me just, I'm not sidetracking. This is related. I've, I've talked to Davey about this many times, and he was telling me, like, this happens all Every, oh, yeah. the fucking time it's, down it's there. It's fucking brutal down He was there, telling man. me how he got a note about them threatening to kidnap his daughter, and he had to change his fucking phone number and all this shit. Dude, there like, is. Like, it happens all the time yeah, down dude. there. Still, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, it's stat. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. There's a statistic that just dropped today. And I believe that it's either 750 or 850,000. Like just dropped today. <laughs> like 750 to 850,000 people are missing in Mexico yeah, right now. Yeah, the fucking cartels are killing yeah. them all. Like it's stealing it, it's them and killing them. It's fucking crazy. But he talks about it all the time. He's always like changing his phone numbers and shit. Yeah, dude, because you have like to. Gets, it's fucking brutal. Yeah. Well, immediately after the learning of the kidnapping, fellow filmmaker James Cameron, a friend of Del Toro's, oh, they God. met during the production of 1993's Kronos, withdrew over a million dollars in cash from his own personal bank account and gave it to Del Toro to help him pay the ransom. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine that though? All swinging his dick back and forth. <laughs> can you imagine? <clears throat> like, hey, yeah, I'm sorry. Here's a million dollars. You know what I mean? We need look, better friends. Look, in reality, I was gonna say we was gonna say we'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah. In reality, he took that million dollars and just put it towards his next film. Yeah. <laughs> hey, or thanks, James. Built a new room in his. Like this is how it would right. go down. This is how it would go down if it was one of us. I would call you. I'd be like, "Dude, I need like, I need like a bunch of money. My my kids got kidnapped." She'd be like, "Prank caller, oh, prank caller, click." Better, <laughs> that's that sucks, dude. You should. Can you get a loan from a yeah. bank or? Uh, I. I'd hang Sorry. up and be like, save it for the podcast. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bruh. So if you, after- if you guys need anything, just let me know. Dude, I could really use some. Well, anyways, so. Uh- <laughs> ah, fucks. So after the ransom was per- uh, paid, Frederico was released, having spent 72 days kidnapped. The culprits were never apprehended, and the uh, money of both Cameron and Del Toro's family was never recovered. Does it say what they did to him? Uh, like what he went through uh, it doesn't say that. it says uh, the event prompted uh, Del Toro his parents and his siblings to move abroad in 2008 in a 2008 interview with Time Magazine he said that um, the kidnapping about his father quote every day every week something happens that reminds me that I am in involuntary exile from my country so they put him in a dark room they played Justin Bieber on loop and then they made him eat Taco Bell that's this isn't real Mexican <laughs> <I> know, exactly <laughs> Over and over. You monsters. <laughs> Have a jalupa. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Here's a cinnamon twist. Crunch. That is <laughs> totally fucked. By the way, are they bringing that back? What? Aren't they aren't they bringing they got rid of the uh what's the one the Mexican, Mexican pizza? pizza. The Mexican pizza, dude. A lot of places one, yeah. still serve it though. Every the last couple of times I've gone there, they because still have so many it. people like freaked out when they said they were going to get rid of it. Can't get rid of the Mexican pizza, dude. Mexican pizza. No, I can't get rid of that. I like, I like it. I actually have a friend of mine who works for the school systems, and he brought me home some Mexican pizzas. Fiestadas, fiestadas. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I just told him I was like, dude, I haven't had one in like you put those in the air fryer, years. man. They're really good. Hell yeah, dude. So let's talk about some upcoming projects, and then we'll move on to. Um, we have a WTF this week, right? Yeah. All buddy. right. Oh, boy. I can't All right. wait. But I also want to talk about his movies a little bit further, too. So upcoming projects. In 2008, Del Toro announced Pinocchio, like we talked about, a dark stop-action motion picture. And uh, the project has been developed for over a decade. The pre-production now was begun by the studio Shadow Machine, Machine in 2017. <laughs> what do you think is going to grow when he lies? It's not going to be his nose. I really hope that it's his nose. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. And in December of 2017, <laughs> Searchlight Pictures announced that Del Toro would direct a new adaptation of the 1946 novel Nightmare there, Alley there it is. by William Lindsay Gresham, the screenplay of which he co-wrote with Kim Morgan. In 2019, it was reported that, like you said, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, and Rooney Mara had closed deals to star in the film, which went into I production. I must have missed this part in there. In January of 2020. Who was Tony Collette in? She was in that fucking, uh, she was the mom in, uh, was it Hereditary? Oh, okay. I know who you're talking yeah. about now. Yeah, yeah. Who? Wait. Yeah. Oh, she was in, uh, um, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The Sixth Sense. She's been in a ton of, no, she wasn't. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, the mom in Hereditary? That's not the same lady. Yeah, you're thinking of someone else. Hereditary, where the little girl gets her head <clears throat> That's Bobby Collette, her sister. No, Tony Collette is not in Sixth Sense. That's the mom in Sixth Sense. That's the little boy's, that's the, that's the mom. That's not Tony Look it is it Tony Collette? There's no way. So. We just watched that the other day with my kids too. Yeah. Literally like a week ago. Will you let me know? Because Dude, I'm pretty sure that is. The pictures. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. If it is, it didn't look like her at all. So a couple of facts real quick before we move on to WTF about our boy here, Guillermo del Toro, which by the way, please go watch his movies because he's a fantastic writer, director, everything. Um, despite loving horror, del Toro can't stand the sight of real blood or witnessing pain. Huh. Think huh. about that. You're a horror film pioneer he needs to stay out of my bathroom then <laughs> every time i pee there's After a lot of pee. pain <laughs> yeah. holy shit that was tony Collett. <gasps> oh, wait, right, really? dude. All right. the other thing that most people don't know is that dude at the beginning that shoots him is, is fucking Donnie Donnie Wahlberg, Wahlberg, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude he looked totally different he lost like i don't know a million pounds to yeah, be that just skinny and had like spots yeah. all over him and shit yeah uh, another, let's see, a couple other facts here about him. Del Toro refers to his creative process as eye protein because the content is not only beautiful, but it tells a story. Very nice. He, as he sips his wine glass, like, hey. <laughs> His favorite mythical beasts are dragons. When he was a child, Del Toro wrote a letter to his hero, Forrest Ackerman, who is the editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland, asking to be adopted. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Dear Mr. Ackerman, can you please adopt me? Del Toro's dad found the letter before he could actually send it out. That's you probably a, a good dragon. thing. Dragons are cool. Can I come live with you? I'll bring my watch box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, Del Toro's influences are varied in genre, bending ranging from the Edgar Allan Poe to Disney to the Bronte sisters. While Del Toro um, has been a film and TV creator for more than 20 years, his start in filmmaking goes back to the short films as a child. Oh, oh, yeah. This is the one talking about the serial killer potato, which I would love to yeah, see that. Yeah. God, that'd be great. He believes fairy tales. Yeah, I also feel like movies. made like a new version of that, like a full, the killer full potato. Feature, dude. Well, you've got Tag of the Killer Tomato. Why not do yeah, potato? Fuck it, dude. He believes fairy tales and horror films are inherently political, as we talked about a little bit before. Um, Del Toro purchased a second home. We said he had two homes um, with the, uh, the sole purpose of housing his beloved literature and art collections, known as the Bleak House, like you said. <clears throat> yep. This house is filled with over 100 skulls, most yeah. most of which are fake. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get a couple of real ones in there. Most. I just like how it says yeah. that. It prefaces that. And contains roughly 50,000 comic books and magazines and much more. But if you ask him, he would tell you he definitely isn't a hoarder. He is currently directing what he calls a strange, disturbing animated version of Pinocchio. We yep. talked about that again, so that should be coming out soon. Del Toro is a massive Hellboy fan. In order to direct it, he turned down, as we talked about, doing uh, Blade Trinity. He Oh, shit. He was supposed to do the third one, yeah. He turned down Blade Trinity, Alien vs. Predator, and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Az Azkaban. 
<laughs> that's pretty that would have awesome. been like a completely different yeah, movie. Yeah, he actually turned those all down. You know, also, I've never seen so, one Harry Potter movie. I haven't ever. either. Ever. So we were talking about uh, The Hobbit earlier, and you, you had asked about that. He was supposed to direct The Hobbit movies. Yeah. Um, but he there was like, due to the time constraints, and like they kept uh, pushing it back and stuff. It says right here that he basically, it says it wasn't an easy decision for him. It was a difficult situation in his life, but due to the continued delays and unreasonable time commitments, he couldn't do... He couldn't direct it, but he, uh, if you look at the credits, he's still listed as co-writer, so he helped write the Hobbit movies. That makes sense. There's a lot of parts in those movies that are kind of dark. Yeah. So just to run through his movies again real fast, because Rotten Tomatoes has <laughs> actually rated them. He's uh, he's a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's awesome. Oh, he was in an episode. What? What episode? It says, he has appeared on the show as the delightfully insane Pappy McPoyle. Why do I not remember that character? Did you, you know guys, the McPoyles? The, I know the McPoyles, yeah. yeah he's yeah. their dad. That's, that's him. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Like a leprechaun, dude. Joe, Joe, real quick. If you guys aren't hip to Always Sunny, dude, you guys got to seriously get hip. It says, Sunny Star Charlie Day offered him the part after the two worked together on Pacific Rim. That's amazing. So going through his movies real quick, we actually went through them all, but we're just going to rate them as far as Rotten Tomatoes is concerned. Number 10, what do you think? Are these just, uh, is this directed or is this everything? These are his directed Like movies. directed and produced or just these, directed? Uh, it just says his movies. So I don't know. It only goes to 10 of them anyway. So number right. 10, what do you think, Jeff, since you can't see this? um, That's like the, the, the worst one? Of the ones that we were talking about, yeah. Yeah. Probably one of the earlier ones, I would imagine. Um, would you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's Blade 2. Really? Yeah, Blade Two is number ten. I can't made believe a shit ton of money there. Yeah, I can't believe that that one is behind some of the other ones. Blade Two is only a fifty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Where <laughs> Mimic, on the other hand, number nine is sixty-four. percent I feel like Blade Two should be ahead of Mimic. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. For sure. Pacific Rim is seventy-two percent at number eight. Crimson Peak, which I haven't seen, seventy-two percent on at number seven. Hellboy, eighty-one percent at number six. Hellboy Two: The Golden Army. At so number, Hellboy Two is actually in front of Hellboy. Yeah, that's pretty wild, right? At uh, number five, Kronos. Haven't seen that yet, but now I have to see it. Number yeah, I gotta four, see it. I gotta see that, The man. Devil's Backbone. Haven't seen so that good. either. That's good, number three, The Shape of Water, which we all have to see. Uh, 92%. That's number two. That's number yeah. two. And of course, number, number one. one, Pan's fucking Labyrinth, because it's amazing. And I could watch it over and over again. It's I creepy seen as that shit. so long. I gotta go back and watch that again. It's creepy as shit. Now, listen, we have uh, some new shit going on and a new setup, and we're in a new part of the studio. and doing all this stuff so i don't have the wtf intro but jeff we have a wtf this week yeah so christmas is what the there you go (laughs) how's that christmas is uh it's coming up here in like what two weeks christmas is yeah so i just wanted to real quick i wanted to it's it's this is mind-blowing okay i wanted to do the top 10 gifts for this year according to amazon because everybody shops on amazon right right yeah. So according to Amazon, these are the top 10 gifts that people are buying this year. Okay. All right. Which is odd. Dude, this is just going to piss me off. Oh, yeah. Way. It makes you really think about like people and like, what the fuck? Like, like is this these? for kids or is this just it's in general? across the okay. board. Okay. Well, first and foremost, we all hate people in general. Yeah. The only true. people we don't hate are the people listening to this podcast right now. Everyone outside of that. Oh, you stop it. That's only because we don't know the person. Stop <laughs> it. That's not nice. I love you all. Look. Can we just be honest? I'm sure there's a lot of assholes that listen to this podcast. Yeah, but because we're assholes. Fair enough. Particularly but that in New Zealand. <laughs> right? 
Back you guys. All right, Jeff, what do you got? It only takes one. All right. So this is like, I guess it's not in really one to 10 order. It's just a a list of what everybody's buying. So there is no like 10 per se, like, you know, one better than the other. So anyways, can't wait to hear what I'm getting for Christmas. Here we go. Uh, One of the gifts is beginner harmonica, the blues key of C. That's a top gift. Wait, it's a top gift. Beginner harmonica. Well, at least it's a musical. Ten dollar harmonica. At least it's a musical. I have a harmonica at home, and I have a uh, learn how to play harmonica. I thought it would be easy. It is not easy. I gotta admit, if I got a harmonica for Christmas, I'd be pretty pissed off. My dogs fucking hate it. They howl every time you start to play it, dude. (laughs) Is it a ten dollar harmonica? No, it was like a thirty dollar harmonica. All right. I mean, I got it for ten bucks because I worked at Guitar Center at the time. So (laughs) So it is a ten (laughs) dollar harmonica. All right. So that's one of them. Uh, another one is this. I'm assuming this is for kids, but I would still play with it. It's moving targets for Nerf guns. Okay. And it sure. looks like a little shooting gallery where the targets move, kind of nice. like you do at Cedar Point. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good gift. Yeah. yeah, cool. I, yeah uh, Unless you don't have a Nerf gun, then you're fucked. <laughs> you just throw a real gun. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing cars at it. It's a one. If you use a real gun, it's a one use toy. Yeah. Uh, Pendalo skill toy. Never heard of it. Which, if you look at it, it's basically a tube. Pendejo? And a little ball goes in it, like a ping pong ball. <laughs> and you just... Wait, let me see this. Why, why, is, why is that a thing? I don't know. Let me see. I guess to keep you busy. Is that like ball in a cup? I don't know if I could show this on the camera. It looks here. like ball in a cup. But instead of a cup, it's just like a constant like... See it? Yeah, I got it. I'm zoomed in on it right now. That's it. Blurry. A little blurry, but yeah, whatever. So that's a gift. No, it's not. That's a fucking piece of PVC and a that's ping pong ball. That's what I was going to say. That's PVC and a <laughs> ping pong ball. You know what, though? <laughs> fucking millions of How people are ordering it. How much does it cost? $26. Are you fucking kidding me? $26. For a, 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 PVC, a, prime. a PVC U-elbow and, and a ping pong, ping pong ball. ball. Get yep. the fuck out of here. Yep. Why the fuck are we doing this? I know. Because we're, <laughs> we're not very bright. Jesus Christ. like a fucking pet rock. All right. Next up. This is pretty cool. It's a, <laughs> it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex 3D nightlight. With Ooh. a rainbow where you can actually change the colors of it. Yeah, my granddaughter would probably love that. All right. Yeah, my kid would good. like that. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, next up, we have LED lights for your bicycle tire. Okay. Do kids still ride bikes? My kids I love guess. riding their bikes. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. bikes are sold out this year from Yeah, because of COVID. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, bikes are big right now. I so. remember right right after they shut everything down, I went to Walmart for something to get food or whatever, and they had no bikes. There was like one. I was like, Jesus. Um. Next up, we have a prayer journal for women. A what? A prayer journal. Oh, you know what? I have that. <laughs> do, do you now? Why is it going to be for women, it's dude? A, it's a $10 paperback, and it says prayers for, for women. And, and so it just has each, a bunch of prayers in it? Each page has a special prayer, and you can write down your own. Bless be thy man. <laughs> What's the difference? Like, what Are there specific prayers for women? I guess. I mean, I'm sure your wife has specific prayers for you. <laughs> yeah, like that I don't ever come home again. Yeah. Dear Lord, please get him in an accident on the way home. <laughs> the life insurance is in. Please take him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows it's true. I fuck, dude. All right, she'd be so better off. She'd be better off without me. Next up is a star nightlight. So it's essentially like the Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it puts stars over here. So oh, my yeah. son has one of these. Yeah, yeah. My That's kids cool. had one of those it's too. Really yeah. cool. That's cool. They had one that was like a pillow. That had that in it. A pillow? A pillow? No, a pillow. A pillow. Is that after milk? Pil- pillow. <laughs> oh. is, is that where you get your milk? Pillow. 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 Right. Everyone's ears are rupturing right now. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> and next up, we have the billion dollar art gallery 
It's a box. It looks like a Roku box. <laughs> you plug it in your TV and it just it loops art pictures on your TV. You, so you basically turn your TV into an art gallery. So it's like the artist version of the fucking fake fireplace yeah, at Christmas time? Exactly. I mean, it it displays 500 of the world's most iconic paintings. That's actually kind of cool, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, $34. I'm, I don't know if it's $34. Cool, but, yeah. but there's that. Can't you... They have like picture frames that you can buy for like twenty bucks. The dude you can load in. I mean, if you have a to, smart do TV, the, do you the can same get it thing. on YouTube. Just yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You get the fake fireplace on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, gloves for kids that are LEDs. They look actually kind of cool. Everything's LEDs this year, but they're light up gloves. Right on. My kids would love those. Okay. So those are $13 on Prime. Yeah, my, my nieces all have those like glow up yeah. sole shoes and yeah, shit. They yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. the greatest yeah. thing in the world. Sure. And we're getting close here. Uh, the last three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The next one is Three King. What? Three King. Three King robots. Wait, Three King? There's no space. Or like, or like Mike Tyson saying streaking. Three, streaking. <laughs> you see, you see, I was freaking out. <laughs> I was freaking out when I got in the ring with him. So this is a <laughs> get some Nestle, Nestle quick. This is how we all die, basically. So this is a programmable robot that senses music. So when you start playing music, it it'll dances. actually dance. And oh, like, right, right. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah how much right. is it? Thirty-two dollars. That's I mean, not horrible. We've all seen Chucky. We know how it starts. So yeah, well, don't get it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have a <laughs> we have a kid's camera. It's a digital camera, essentially for ages three to twelve. It's thirty-nine bucks. I bet you five hundred dollars that somebody that's a pedophile made that. Probably. Why? It what? probably goes to the cloud to their personal account. Yeah, that's good. Oh good my conspiracy God. there. You know? Jesus. So, anyways, that's thirty-nine dollars. He ain't got shit to okay. do with this. Ugh. Or does he? Mm. And last up, we have my favorite, which oh. I, I feel like everybody should buy this gift. It is a calendar of pooping pooches. <laughs> it's like and it's, it's $16.99. Well worth every penny. It's just dogs look, taking a every shit. Every month, it's a dog taking a shit somewhere. <laughs> Tell me that's not the greatest gift ever. Like, what did you say earlier? What are we doing this for? Yeah. We could just look. You got he's pooping in the Grand Canyon, dude. Like, I that's could, amazing. I could fill a calendar with my dogs in five fucking minutes. <laughs> look at this one's in the woods. He's like, I'm just pooping. Nothing I gotta to see, see that. It's I gotta May. see that shit like ten times a fucking day. I don't need a calendar. To show Here's it to one him. in the snow. You know, it's like, hey, it's cold outside. I'm just taking a poop. Just the dog taking a poop. So if you're gonna buy a gift, ladies and gentlemen, please get the pooping poop. Pooping calendar. dog calendar. It's it's amazing. Sixteen ninety nine on Prime. So that's. That should tell you what we're buying, what the mass amount of people are buying. Harmonicas, pooping pooches, <laughs> and killer that, robots, and, that is and the LEDs. Dude, I, wonder LEDs. If you get, I wonder if you get the robot to pick up the dog poop. I don't know. They need to make that dog for sure. It'd be cool if the robot, robot. ate it. Like, I, it's feel just like they, I feel like they, <laughs> that's how it cleans it up. It like oh, scoops God. it up. It's like, huh? Oh, oh my God. God. Just like flings it into its own mouth. It's like, eat shit, robot. <laughs> <laughs> and it cries the whole time it's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it plays, plays Dave Matthews music. <laughs> Such a light in my eyes. <laughs> so that was this week's that's our idea right there let's wtf oh, we'll put it on amazon that. for 40 bucks dude everybody will buy that a crying robot that eats, eats your shit. dog shit yeah. and plays dave you don't gotta matthews clean up the shit and plays dave matthews so you feel jolly about it 
The kids would love it. Does Dave uh, Matthews make you feel jolly? No, but I mean, if you're going to eat shit, you might as well be listening to Dave Matthews, right? <laughs> to me, he'd be even more depressed. <laughs> Probably the perfect soundtrack. Yeah. Jesus. All right, so that's just maybe, WTF. Maybe, maybe Jewel. Jewel. will save your poop. Oh, my God. Or no, you know what? You know what would be perfect soundtrack for that? Is fucking Sarah McLaughlin. She's on all the goddamn animal videos anyways. It would have to be so, slow then. Like, you'd have to eat it slow. That's fine. Just, you'd be like... In the arms of an angel, far away. It like zooms into the robot's face and it's got a little tear, like... <laughs> Trying to wolf it down. Perfect. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for the new crying also, poop eating robot. Also, hold on a second. This this is on this is on I'm gonna say tape, but that's gonna date me. But this is on tape now. So if that ever comes out, it's our idea. We have proof that someone told we that idea. From us. Shit-eating robots. That's right. That cry to serve McLaughlin songs. All right, passengers. We hope you enjoyed your ride with us on the one and only Guillermo <laughs> del Toro. Neighbor gets over the fence and say, Hey, Bob, where'd you get that shitty robot? Are you kidding? You can have different Amazon ones Prime. too, though. You yeah, can do like yeah. a heavy. You can do like a heavy metal one that just like flings the shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple <laughs> into genres the na- yeah. into the neighbor's yard. It's just like ah. You can have one that specifically eats cat puke, right? <laughs> like it's got like a maid outfit on, and it comes. It looks like the Jetsons maid. Yeah, yeah. And it's ma- and, and it knows when your cat throws up because yeah. it hears like the yeah. Oh, oh. It's like oh, hairball detected. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> We want to thank you guys for listening to us as we discuss Iron Maiden, the one and only Guillermo del Toro, amazing, amazing director. Make sure you go out there and watch a bunch of his movies. Watch all of his movies because you should, and that's amazing. The cats just sit there like, all right, I'm gonna mute you guys. Try to move on. I'm gonna mute like two seconds. We're Shark taking this robot. Oh my god. Fucking gross. Mark Cuban. Say, Mark Cuban, me. call me, dude. Call go, me. Go fund me account. I think we should make one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, buy a shitty robot that plays Iron Maiden. That's amazing. <laughs> That'd be the top gift for sure. Actually, I think a lot of people would. That's be what honest. I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah. That would actually sell really well. Anyway, yeah. make sure to stop over to our official website. You'd be happy when your dog oh shits my in your God. house. Like... <laughs> Oh, the dog shit in the house. Oh, it's all right. You bring out the little robot. And... <laughs> we'll name it Bruce, and it'll play Iron Maiden. Ooh. We'll, we'll, we'll go. Go ahead. Why Bruce? Bruce Dickinson, <laughs> the singer of Iron Maiden. I yeah. feel like that'd be bad. Oh, we'd get sued. Yeah. We'd have to get permission. But, I mean, oh, you know who we could probably convince we to do it? We could switch bands. Gene Simmons would do it because he's a fucking whore for money. Yeah, but him eating shit as a robot? Yeah, he would yeah. do it. You're telling me he wouldn't do that? You can fucking like his tongue picks it up like yeah. Oh, While Doctor Love is playing, <laughs> playing in the background. Can we just can we can we fucking just, strutter? If, if the, strutter, I'm on board with this as long as we can call it GG Robot. Dude, uh, there it is. GG <laughs> Robot that works perfectly. GG Robot, I, love I like it. it. Yeah, we need to. And do he's this. dead, so we don't have to worry about him. <laughs> we need to do this. <laughs> All we got to do is take a Roomba vacuum cleaner, dissect it, Retrofit and then it. build a figure on top yeah. of it. Yeah. Because it will move. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah but I feel like it's got to have a it's gotta have a, a, a mechanism to yeah, make it, it like picks swallow it up the and shit. Then fucking eats it. And yeah. like the, the icon for the app is just a pile of shit. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, Muffy took a shit on the floor. Hey, don't worry. And they hit the app. It's like, bum bada bum bada bum bada bum bada bum bada It like comes out with LED lights. Or, or, in the arms Real slow. Dude, we'll have a whole a whole line of them. A whole dude. line, yeah. specifically. A whole line. We'll do all music genres. Yeah. 
Well, we I could just make it to where you could upload your own music. The country one wears boots and it just kicks the shit. <laughs> shit kickers. <laughs> <laughs> shit kickers. <laughs> We're on to something here, folks. It's just like got a little wheel with a boot on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Kicks the shit in your neighbor's yard. <laughs> we'll call him Yoakum. <laughs> Can't talk shit again. Get Yoakum out. Merle. Merle, Merle the Rover. Merle. <laughs> Neighbor comes out. I, we don't even own a dog. Yeah. Or Hank the Fourth. <laughs> Hank the Fourth, the shit kicking robot. <laughs> we, we could have Biggie, Biggie Straws. He's got like little straws and he just like sucks up the shit. Biggie Straws. Yeah. He's like, baby. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Plus, I don't think the family of Biggie Smalls would appreciate him in sucking up shit. Well, he's dead, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. even his family might get upset about him that. and Gigi. We ain't gonna worry about. Yeah, that. we'll just pick dead people. Yeah, <laughs> Gigi Robot. I love it. That's good. So you're That's honoring good. the dead musicians too at the same time. <laughs> well, picking up cat shit. Like, it's horrible. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna be billionaires off of this. Yes. You know the listeners are gonna take this and run with it. And we're gonna do a GoFundMe. They can't. We have it all documented right here. They can't go anywhere. No, no, but they could help us, is what you're yeah, saying. They could be producers. Give us ideas of the shit robot. That's what I'm saying. That is man. true. That's what we I'm gotta saying. come up with a catchy name for it though. This like, is what your Patreon dollars are going towards. <laughs> <laughs> shit robots. Yeah, but dude, I mean, honestly, it could probably do. I mean, I'd buy one. Fuck yeah, dude. If I could have a robot to go out and pick up my dog shit that plays Iron Maiden. You know what we do is we put a lithium battery in the bottom too, so it burns the shit. Because you don't want to have to sit there and empty it all the time. Oh, it smells so bad though. Who cares? It's no, you effect. just have it. You have it like those, uh, like the Roombas that have like they go to the the dock and then it sucks all the shit out of it, and then it goes back out. You know, it has like the station. Yeah, but where's all that shit going? I don't care. It's not my problem. We'll figure that out later. That's He's, true. You could just take it outside and dump it. It needs to have like an incinerator in the back of it. <laughs> this gets the house is on fire. Jesus Christ! That'd be amazing. Imagine the thing. But but the incinerator also also acts like its own light show. So as it's eating the shit, it's like and it's just it's, it turns your shit into a pyrotechnic display. Yes, that's perfect. There's so much awesome in one thing. Like how, okay, how does it, okay, hold on. If we don't, that, if this, that's the slogan for it though. So much awesome in one thing. Yes, in one thing. That's what you could. Dude, at minimum, we have to make a fake commercial for this. Like a hundred percent. But like a yeah. real, like we have to do like a live action commercial, not just like a with audio. a little kid playing with it. Be amazing. <laughs> Gigi Robot, you're my favorite. Mom, Spot took a poop on the rug again. Oh, Spot. Can we call it Fecal Fighter? Fecal <laughs> Fighter. We can make like a whole action figure line of them. I'm telling dude, you. Fecal Fighters. Dude, and then they battle each other. They yeah. collect yeah. The, They collect the shit that and then they throw the power. No, the shit gives them the power to battle. <laughs> Seems to be a TV show now. Bring your friends over, your robot over, and have it fight to the death. The bad guys are like corn and nuts, like the stuff that doesn't digest. You know what I mean? Clogs them up and yeah. shit. Colonel Corn versus <laughs> Fecal Fighters. Huh. Who wants to buy a fecal fighter? You do. You do. Like Chance. You do. You do. We can make a whole thing, like an infomercial. So you're going to do the uh, the theme song for it. I'm going to come up with a design <laughs> yes. for it. All right. So I'll design. I don't even want to know. What we need t-shirts, yeah. too. We'll design like it. We need to brand the yeah, shit out I'll of this. I'll make them. I'll fucking make them, dude. Fecal yeah. fighter t-shirts. Fecal fighters. Yeah. We need like a sweet logo. I'll design the shit. You design the logo. All right. I'm on it. I'll fucking put them on shirts tomorrow. Like, a fecal inside your food. Yeah, <laughs> 
at this point, they don't want to hear this. It's been so derailed at this point, it doesn't even fucking matter. Anyway, Seriously. make sure you guys are looking out for your Fecal Fighter t-shirts coming soon in 2021. Yeah. Talking about shit robots for 20 minutes, dude. Anyway, oh. stop over to the Midnight Train Podcast.com and <laughs> Place your pre-order for the fecal robots. Yes. All right. You know, first I mean? edition samurai. Hurry, she. <laughs> what do you think? What do you What do you think price point on these should be? Oh, forty nine ninety five. Think we could do it for yeah, that though? For sure. Fifty bucks, dude, for a robot that eats shit incinerates. What I'm saying. Do you think we could actually do it for that much money? Is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, we'll send it to China. <laughs> That's true. It's true. I mean, it'll probably only cost us. <laughs> it'll probably, cost us twenty five cents. It'll probably only cost us like a few cents. Yeah. We got to look into the legal litigation. You realize we could probably make shit robots for less than they make Jordans for. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And everybody's got a dog or a cat, right? Yeah, huge industry. Even kids, like your little kid, toddler, poops on the floor. Fucking get the shit robot out. It's gonna clean it up. It's the fecal fighter, Jeff. The fecal fighter. I'm sorry, I got to get used to shit, this. Shit, you can't market shit robot. It's yeah. just not. <laughs> Gotta be fecal fighter. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, listen. If you guys like what you hear from us, and if you're still listening, fuck, I hope you do. Please <laughs> consider becoming a producer of the show by heading over to can't, the Midnight Train Podcast, Midnight Train Podcast, and clicking on the Patreon button. It's a dingo. It's like, <laughs> That's specifically for New Zealand. Yeah, we'll yeah. ship those specifically to New Zealand. Yeah. The dingo, the dingo robot that eats shit. Yes. <laughs> Plays Mad Max Thunderdome from Tina Turner. No, not my baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's the rim shot? That was the best one yet. I got rid of the rim. I got rid of the rim oh shot back. <laughs> well, anyway, you guys can head over to the Midnight Train Podcast.com and click on the Patreon button or go to patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. For as little as five bucks a month, you guys can get all kinds of cool shits, like custom t-shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes, like fecal we're going to be dropping. A fecal fighter t-shirt. It's coming. It's coming for sure. We need a dot com. Is it taken? Let me look. Fecal fighter. That has to be. Watch it already be taken. It has to be. But there's all if kinds of shit, shit over robot, there for signing be really up. Pissed. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff over there to sign up. <laughs> and if you're a uh, diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker, of course, the Patreon is for you. For those of you guys that just go, you know what? They're pretty fucking hilarious. We like these guys. You can leave a one-time donation uh, over at PayPal. Just uh, use the email address, the Midnight Train Podcast a- at gmail.com. <laughs> also, hold on. I'm sorry. I typed in Fecal Fighter in Google. The first headline that comes up is, here's how a chokehold made a UFC fighter poop in the ring. Mine was Roblox. Apparently, that video game Roblox. <laughs> Look, there's even an achievement badge that says fart attack. <laughs> what the what, is fuck? that a is that an app? No, Roblox is kind of like oh. Minecraft. Oh, I don't know. Oh, here's another one. MMA fighter poops herself in the ring. I think I saw that one. UFC fighter offered fifteen thousand dollars for shit stained shorts. But dot com is available, by the way. Fecalfighter.com? Yeah. Oh boy. Frozen poop pills fill fight life threatening infections. Now, what if we became millionaires off of this? Well, let's I'm fucking I'm in one hundred percent. We'd be like hanging out on yachts and shit, and people would be like, How did you make all this money? Be like, Well, <laughs> shit robots. I thought of a robot that would eat shit. You know what it reminds me of? It no, you just me, tell them robotics. It reminds robotics. me of that movie with uh, Jack Black. And Ben Stiller, where they come up with oh, the, the, the fucking gun. yeah, oh, the you spray, spray it and, yeah. and it disappears. And they're like, well, "Where's the shit go?" <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that called? <laughs> I forget, but that I, I did see uh, that. Ah, what was that called? Screwed? No, it's something like that though. 
Oh, damn it. I can't remember what the hell it's called. <laughs> I remember. Anyway, please like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform and over at YouTube. And most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes just a couple of minutes. It was screwed. It's fucking Dave Chappelle. Or no, that's 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 a different movie. Yeah, that's not it. With Dave Chappelle. It's something like something to do with money, like lucky or unlucky or I don't know what the fuck it's called, whatever. (laughs) So anyway, word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers like you guys on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We cannot thank you guys enough for all the love and support. It seriously is awesome, except New Zealand. They don't like us. Envy. Yes, that's what it's called. It had something to do with money, right? Yeah. It's green. Whatever. So thank you all so much for listening, and uh, welcome back to both these knuckleheads in the room with me. It's nice to have us all back in the room again. As you can tell, we derailed more than we actually talked about. We apologize for most of this episode. Yeah. Can I put in a request for the next bio? Sure. Can we do Tim Burton? Fuck yeah, we can do Tim Burton. I feel like he's got enough stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of this guy. And uh, Tim Burton to the Trello. That's actually a really good idea. I I think people would like that. Yeah. uh, Tim Burton would be really fun to do, too. I mean, I'll try. I don't know who he is. I don't know. Is there a lot of info about him? (laughs) A little bit. You might find like one or two pages. What's he do? Uh, He's just some guy. He just hangs out. Makes some movies. He's a guy. Shit robots? He's a professional hangout guy. Not shit robots. Oh, he's an influencer. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So we want to thank you again all so much for listening. And listen, here's your shout out for being so awesome. You can just listen, go and just sign up, man. And we'll talk about you. We'll say your name and I'll probably fuck if you, it up. But. Also, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you got first dibs on shit on fecal fighters. Yeah. You, you get the we'll have an exclusive pre-order for our Patreon subscribers. At least the shirts for now until oh, yeah, the actual thing yeah. comes up. Dude, Dude, I'm even thinking like Funko Pops. Like I'm going million dollar industry right here full deep awesome yeah full deep huh yeah fucking toys that fling fake poo in a fucking video game yeah oh yeah dude like kids love this dumb shit like on your phone just a little one where you're just eating poo no you move the robot it's like pac-man but you eat shit instead (laughs) you know what i mean and it plays well we'll have to come up with our we'll have marshmallow (laughs) records do the music billy what are you doing eating shit (laughs) oh that's good honey so listen. Oh no, Captain Corn's here. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Kids, like the, that's the commercials. Like, what do you guys want to do tonight? Eat shit, ma. <laughs> it's so gross. So listen. Huge thank you to Tess, Heidi, Kalen, Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy, Speakerbox, the sisters skeleton. It's sisters, by the way. We changed that. I saw there was a whole thing about that. It's sisters. It's yeah, the sister sisters. skeleton. But when you say it, you gotta sisters. you gotta snap. You gotta snap when you say it. It's a raccoon. That's right. <laughs> hey, what's in the lunchbox? <laughs> Riley, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily, Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandipai, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, uh, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw. It's drafty in here. <laughs> All the pretty iPads. Jigsaw, Bill, Son, Colin, wow. Todd, uh, David Vallo, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad over at Voodoo Vodka. Please make sure you're still get out there and support those guys. They're doing some cool shit. Chef Kevin, Katie Brabnick. They got their Christmas bottles out. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Katie Brabnick, Davey, our Mexican vato, who's probably going to hate this episode because I fucked no, up everything. Oh, he'll love it. And a very special Davey. thank you. Very special thank you to our superhero Patreon producers, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox Podcast, Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs. And again, thank you so much, Maria, for yes. our stickers. It's so cool. Yeah, baby. I got a couple Sasquatch. quick shout outs, too. Okay, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Sam Birch, Splinch. and Samantha Pickworth. If you want your name to be mentioned on the show, please sign up as a member on our website uh, website, or simply become a Patreon producer. producer. 
Producer. Hey, three-eyed producer. It's a Vegas square. There's your last one right there. So would you say you have a shout-out? praise. Uh, I just want to shout-out to Chad Flint, which we already did, but I want to say thank you for continuing to send me the most amazing Instagram yeah. messages. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. he sends me the funniest shit. All kinds shit. of shit. Like, I could be at work, and I'll send my phone. like, bleep, 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 and I look at it, and it's all this like, crazy shit he sends me, and it's all awesome and hilarious. That's awesome. Thank you. Cool. And then Chef Kevin texts me the other day. He's like, you got another kidney stone. I was like, ah! <laughs> so, Chef Kevin, thank you for continuing to listen. That's right. Yeah, we thank yeah. you guys all so much for listening. Is and, he still uh, a chef? You know, I don't think he is anymore. I'm sure he's going to call me after this and tell me. Doesn't matter. His Good. name's still Chef Kevin. I think he got a new job. It's in the notes. Hopefully, he's a stripper and he's making lots of money. If he's not stripper a stripper, Kevin would be funnier. If he's right? not a chef anymore and he got out of that industry, I, dude, fuck yes. I'll know. He'll fuck text me. He'll text me and let me know. Can we just change his name to Stripper Kevin now? Yes, do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, let's change that in the He's notes. no longer right shift now. Yeah, yeah. You are now stripper Kevin. <laughs> All right. It's we're that just, easy. We're just making shit up now. <laughs> it is that easy. So listen, thank you guys. Please stay safe out there. Oh, so, uh, next week. Next week, we're doing something pretty what awesome, right? Doing? I don't even fucking know. We're doing fucking creepy Canada. Oh, that's right. We are doing creepy Canada. We're getting since we found out that we are actually blowing up in, over in Canada, we are up in Canada. We want to do a creepy episode where we're going to do some creepy shit from Canada. Oh. We are going to do some creepy shit. So we're going to jump in the train and get all stinky and dirty. Is it like Wayne Gretzky? It's going to be the politest haunted. fucking ghost hauntings in the world. <laughs> it's going to be like, boo, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Boo, eh? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I scare you? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Father, my poutine is not right. Oh, sorry. I have sorry. I have a great, I have another great story about being in Windsor, by the way. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I bet there's a million of them. This one, this was... So this one has to do specifically with the South Park movie. Okay. With uh when the Canadian guy is like, hey, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. Right? Hey, buddy. So we're at we're at a uh You told this story on a previous episode. Did I tell this one? Yeah, like we, we got the bouncer. We got the bouncer to yell fuck you, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Oh, so whatever then. Yeah. Go back and listen. You're welcome, listeners. It's a great story. <laughs> it's a great story. Maybe I'll tell it next week, because it's Canada. <laughs> Just to piss you guys off. Thank you guys for listening. We are out of here. Please stay safe. And until next week, you know, choo-choo, motherfuckers. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Sorry. Yeah.